0: MG, John, long time no long time no here. Yeah, how are you? Very good. Been too long. So what what are you up to these days? What are what the hell are you doing? So uh, I came back from the
1: UK. I was over there for a year helping to set up uh, Google Ventures' European operations over there, and with that off the ground, I came back uh, about I guess more than six months ago. Now it was sometime last summer. It's actually. Uh, we're going, We're heading back to the UK for the first time in uh, since we left, um, and so it's almost been a year. Um, anyway, so back on the ground in San Francisco now. Um, back just to doing US Google Ventures, now called GV as a part of the uh, Alphabet stuff. You know, so was, Google Ventures is one of the uh, Alphabet um, companies that's a sister company now to Google, versus being you know under uh, Google. Uh, same same basic idea but uh they would prefer we use the name GV instead of Google Ventures now
0: right as part of the whole if it's really a sibling to Google and part of Alphabet it shouldn't be called Google right
1: exactly so so yeah so back uh, but doing the same stuff just uh investing in uh you know mainly early stage early to mid stage companies here
0: uh what do you do you think that having spent a whole year in in the UK when you came back did it did you look at at the the valley culture and sort of feel like you had fresh eyes or did it feel like just instantly like ah you know what I'm home it's a good question because i did think about
1: that the longer sort of i was over there um and obviously we were coming back fairly regularly i think i was back at least once a quarter in the in the u.s and mainly in the bay area when i came back but still the longer i was over there you do start to get detached from it and I, i felt like i was able to look at it from much more of a outsider perspective um after having lived in the bay area for almost 10 years um you know concurrently um and it was interesting coming back uh and you do feel like you get just like sort of right back into the swing of things, almost like you hadn't left. But at the same time, I had these lingering remembrances of, of what it was like being over in the UK and sort of watching remotely, both because of what we were talking about with the time zone thing was, was one of the more interesting things when I would wake up in the morning. um, It was mostly either people who were up really late or people who were out drinking or something like that were on Twitter. Uh, And so I would, uh, I would have a much, much different experience. usage of twitter when i was over there than i do when i'm over here and it's just sort of in the in the thick of it with everyone when i'm over there it's it's almost like you're using it to play catch-up and then talking to a few drunk people um, <laughs> <laughs> so but anyway yeah so when i uh when i came back uh it did i did get right back into the swing of things but i still have these uh hopefully different perspective on um uh, you know, on how sort of the outside views Silicon Valley uh, versus being in it
0: for a decade. And do you think that? Do you think that outside the Valley, startups are underrepresented by, uh, or or uh, over, or more likely to be overlooked? Yeah, like I, that's my outsider's perspective. My outsider's perspective is that inside the Valley. the the focus is so insular because there's so many things going on and so many smart people and so many interesting things that it's it 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 cultivates an idea that everything worth looking at is in the
1: valley yeah that's a good way to frame it because most people you know talk about well you're too far in the forest um and you know you guys are just missing sort of what's outside of the valley the reality of the situation at least from my perspective is sort of what you're suggesting which is that there are so many interesting things going on in silicon valley that it's it's honestly just hard as a matter of time uh to be able to look outside of it um unless you happen to be in a locale that's outside of it um so most of the people here who are investing here or starting companies here um you know are you know very much in the uh in the thick of it and so it is it is probably uh it's definitely fair to say that um you know sort of outside of silicon valley is under represented underrepresented in the minds of everyone here but i do think that that's just as much of a function of again there being so much here to think about and uh look at and so it's it's a uh, it's just the proximity and time issue um but then when you move to somewhere else like london or any other locale uh you know, then of course you're, you're closer to some of those things. And so you start to see outside of that. And that's not to say whether or not, um, you know, it's, it's a good or bad thing. I think overall everyone would agree it's sort of a bad thing to have blind spots to something if, um, um, if you're not aware of it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's an easier thing that's said than done when, when the proximity thing is, is such a a key factor. Yeah.
0: Um, what I'm trying to think since the last time you've been on the show, what are some of the big, high-level changes to the type of stuff we talk about?
1: Well, Apple's still doomed, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more doomed than ever. They, the more the more money they make, the you know the hard, the farther they have to fall. So um, it's going to be it's a catastrophic fall. That's that's happening. I think they you know only made whatever. Uh, what did they make? Fifty fifty billion in revenue
0: last quarter, something like that. I something like and yeah i think so and 10 10 billion in profit yeah it's more than you know all all the
1: major other tech companies combined it's uh it's way more than any other company of course including exxon and all the uh, maybe oh but um you know uh what's it aramco i guess is about to or not aramco it's um what's uh what's the
0: saudi one? Oh, i forget the name i th- i know I know what you're talking about, but I forget the
1: name. It sounds like they're about to go public or spun out partially, so we're about to see how much money potentially that they make, and it could be something comparable to Apple. So it might be mm. the first time we uh, we get something like that.
0: Yeah, it's you know just only compares to the gas and oil companies. Yeah, um, and it's kind of funny because we grew up. Uh, you know, I mean, I've, even people who are significantly older than us, I, I think. Grew up in a world where it's just, well, of course, the gas and oil companies are the biggest companies in the world. Right. It's just, it's just like that's the world. Whereas I, it's like I've, I'm old enough now to sort of, and, and, you know, with all the climate change stuff and, and all, you know, the, the interest in renewable energy, everybody's looking at that, you know, and questioning it. And, and, you know, it, it, it's no longer taken as a given that this is just the way it is. Right. But, um, I, I did the math when, when with all the skepticism with Apple's you know quote unquote bum quarter last quarter, and it really was true. I think I forget if it was revenue or profit. I think I was looking at profit, and yeah, it was profit because that's why i i took I took Amazon out of the equation because they don't try for profit. So it's right. you know it's almost like it, it's like you're it, you're stacking the deck in the f- in the favor of Apple by comparing Amazon. But I think it was like Google, Microsoft, and Facebook combined that they had more profit than right. Which is, Which is just yeah uh, insane, uh, especially like with Microsoft who who and Google too. I think one thing you could Google's often you know that largely is tried for profit, but Microsoft famously, uh, it, you know it, it was the most profitable com- company in the in the industry.
1: Yeah, yeah. I remember when, uh, you know, thinking back to I don't even remember how long ago it was six seven years ago or something. Sort of when I was at at still TechCrunch, looking. Trying to cover sort of the day to day of uh, putting into context like just how fast apple 's growing and and how big it is relative to some of the other tech companies and I remember both putting it in the context of Microsoft at the time, and Microsoft was still leaps and bounds ahead, both uh, certainly in profit, and I th- yeah. think in uh, still at revenue at that point. But the other one I remember yeah. is HP. Like uh, HP right. was so far ahead in revenue um, that it seemed like Apple would never be able to surpass something like that. And then, you know, it, like eighteen months later, it was it was so far in the rearview mirror
0: that it was it was okay. insane. <laughs> even the, even the HP branded iPods couldn't change that <laughs>
1: that's right they somehow didn't didn't write the ship and now it's like now HP's been spun out or it's got split up once right and i think they just right. uh, sold a, a separate uh part of the enterprise version that was spun out so it's like three separate companies now that was the the one behemoth at that point that seemed seemed like you know a tech company can never topple those those types of revenues and now it's funny
0: Yeah, and it's, like, HP is one of those companies, it's not like I ever had a great interest in Hewlett-Packard, you know, I mean, but they were at least relevant to the sphere of things that I read, and now it's almost like when an article comes up with a review of, like, an HP laptop or something, I'm like, wow, HP, I haven't thought about them in like a year
1: (laughs) yeah i'm the same way i just don't even think about it it's basically only when i like see on tech meme the uh the earnings report of hp and that's like the only time i'll see like the headline of like yeah they they beat or they slightly missed or whatever on on their uh their targets for it's like and it's (laughs) it's such a a mind-numbing uh you know headline to read like just don't have time to to really care that much anymore about hp
0: um what's the name of Microsoft's tablet uh, uh, surface 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 so I just saw a review the other day where where HP came out with like more or less their competitor to the surface and yeah. it's it's like it's just like a surface and and they're advertising it big like, but you can open it up in like you know replace the ram and you can you know, <laughs> do this and that and you know it's like all this stuff that was like uh, the things people wanted to do with their pcs like 10 years ago but then like the bottom line is so it's just like a surface and out of the box it's thicker and heavier <laughs> <It's> like, uh,
1: <laughs> that's great good good job HB. good luck with that yeah <laughs> um, uh, but so it's just it's a tablet that with it with the
0: keyboard thing yeah, I'll try to find the review and I'll put the link in the show notes. It's it, 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 I, I it's just like yeah, I don't know. Some division of HP is still making these things, and it you know it squeaked out the side, but it's like it, it's not <laughs> surprising. I, I,
1: yeah, there it's you know it's uh, the the office space guy with the red stapler in the
0: basement who's just doing this and no one realizes six. it. And, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. He's still down there making laptops, and he's like looking around the industry. And he's like, "Well, I guess that's the new form factor, and, and that's what he made." Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, you are a, I think a a a um, uh, you've been bullish on Uber, right? Yeah, sure. And, and I
1: mean, you know, GV is a pretty big investor in right. Uber
0: yeah right so it's you know you know let's just go close it every time GV's an investor <laughs> right. in somebody right but um, I feel like that again you know not having had you on the show in a long time that to me the the ride sharing uh, and you know it doesn't have to be uber in particular but it's it's uh, it it seems to be accelerating at, at a at a almost crazy rate. And I could be wrong. Maybe like one thing, I a couple of years ago, I don't know, I guess about 10 years ago, there were a lot here in Philly, especially the zip cars was, was yep. pretty common yep. and you'd see them. And I always noticed it because I noticed branding and stuff that, you know, the cars all had zip cars printed on the side. And I knew where all the parking lots were, where, where they were. And it was something that when we were shopping for a car, 10 years ago, we considered it. We've really strongly thought, maybe we don't have to buy a car. Maybe we could just do the zip cars thing. But it's like, we we kind of like, pretended, you know, like, well, let's pretend it's a rainy day, and how far do we have to go? And it was like, oh, this is pretty far. So we didn't yeah. we didn't go for it. We bought a car. But I've noticed, and this is totally anecdotal, but I don't see anywhere near as many zip cars in Philadelphia as I used to. Like It seemed like that got popular, and now it's less popular. And I can't help but think that it's it's the ride sharing. Well, that it's. bet so, how? I actually, I
1: the last time I, I haven't been in Philadelphia in a long time. Certainly, well, well before Uber and Lyft and whatnot existed. So, is Uber pretty ubiquitous? Like, is that how people? Yeah, people get around.
0: Well, I can't speak for the whole city of Philadelphia, but Philadelphia Center City Philadelphia is you know the downtown part of Philadelphia is all centralized. It's one contiguous rectangular block, yep. and within Center City Philly, it's you know, it it, it it never more than a five minute wait for a black car or an SUV and uh I don't really do the UberX, but it's I think it's even less for that. And it, you know, yep. It's really really
1: common. And does does Philly have public tra- good public transportation or really bad public transportation?
0: I would I would qualify it as mediocre. We have two subway lines, one that goes east west and one that goes north south. So it's just effectively just like a plus that goes right through the center of you know yeah. right through the center of the city, yeah. so like uh, and the sporting complex, all the 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 Phillies, the Eagles, the Sixers, all of this stuff is all in one big area way down in South Philly. So it's easy from that. Like if I'm going to a game, I just walk to the what we call the Broad Street Line, the one that goes north south. Hop on that and go south, and it's great. Um, if you want to go anywhere off that plus grid, it's not so great. I mean, there's buses, but eh.
1: yeah. No. I mean even in the cities now with great public transportation, New York, obviously London being another, uh it's still you're still seeing Uber Lyft and, and all, all the rest sort of just taking over and becoming huge in all these markets just because I mean, I think there's a number of things at play, but, but the convenience factor of course, like just dialing up something and it and it being there right at your doorstep and taking you exactly to where you need to go. Um uh, you know, just makes sense for a lot of people. You, you talked about your, your wife and yourself sort of thinking about if Zipcar would make sense. You know, when Megan, my wife and I moved over to London, we sold our cars, um, uh, here in San Francisco. And so when we came back, um, you know, we, we thought about what, what should we do? And right now we still don't have cars. It's been almost a year. Neither one of us have a car. Um, and we do use Uber to get everywhere basically. Um, few times we've rented a car, like if we're going, um, you know, for an extended trip up north or down south. Um, But for, you know, 99% of our our travel now is with Uber. And I want to preface that a little bit because I know I'll sound like the, you know, that I sound like a Silicon Valley, perhaps stereotype. Um, Yeah, we can get everywhere we need to go on Uber. But like the reality is in a lot of, I think, metro areas now, um, it can be cheaper depending on... Your situation and depending on what you need to do, it's obviously a little bit different if you have children and and some other life situations. But uh, for the situation that we're currently in, it's definitely cheaper for us to to use something like Uber and UberX X and now Uber Pool, like you know the uh, the carpooling version of it, to get around a city versus owning a car, having to pay insurance, having to pay for gas, um, having to pay for parking, and everything else that's included.
0: Yeah, and it's just it's just one of those things that like it's really opened my eyes to just I I, like, I know it sounds so obvious it sounds such a duh but it's like good God look at all these cars that are parked everywhere yeah. and and I know that this is part of the just the basic argument but it's that that the industry is ripe for transportation but when you're in a city and you just see cars parked everywhere and you see you know buildings that are just parking garages just stacked with cars and you just think all of these cars are just sitting here for hours and hours and hours and you think like you know and an uber uh is you know is always in motion
1: yeah i mean i think that that's a good point and it's something that that gets talked about a little bit but not enough and i think it will be talked about more and more as this becomes more of the reality in more places but you're exactly right like imagine the future you know whether it's it's uber and Lyft or the eventual sort of self-driving car elements uh, where all of a sudden all of these spaces in cities are unlocked that are just used, as you said, to sort of like house cars that just sit there all day, which is ridiculous. So much, so much of city life is uh, taken up by these giant parking garages. And when you can unlock that and you no longer need those, like cities become you know, much better as a result of having all that space sort of freed up. And you can put any number of things there, anything you want. All these, uh, I, you know, who knows how much square footage is out there that's, that's just devoted to parking. But it is a ton
0: yeah, it's, it's you know, and when you think about it, and you just don't, you know, like, again, it's like, you know, when I first came to Philly, you know, in, in, for college in the early 90s, it, I just assumed that the city would be full of cars. That's just the world as I knew it. But as I, you know, question it now, it's, this seems ridiculous. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I still do wonder. So I grew up in a, a suburb outside of Cleveland. Um, and, you know, it's a fairly typical Uh, you know midwestern like suburb um and there obviously it's not super dense and you had to drive everywhere and so i've been home a few times um you know in the past few years and uh it's they have uber and i do take it but it's not nearly of course as ubiquitous as it would be in the city like even in downtown cleveland it would be a lot more ubiquitous of course um and so I do wonder for like the the suburbs and outside regions, yeah. like how long that will take to tip. But I still think it will. Like it's just it it just I think it will spill out from the cities into that, and it's just a matter of having enough, um, you know, cars uh, on the roads that are that are performing those tasks to be able to do it in a suburban area as well. Like I know a lot of people still think. In the suburbs, it's just not feasible. You have to go grocery shopping, you know, and and do all these things that are sort of always a drive away. But again, at scale, I'm not so sure that that's totally unreasonable.
0: I was listening to uh, one of Bill Simmons' podcasts recently, and he, 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 I think, only half in jest, he has a theory that because of Uber, there are more people having accidental third kids <laughs> because uber the existence of uber makes it so much easier for like parents with kids to go out and have a couple drinks at dinner yeah than they would in the past like if you had to drive some one of the two of you would have to yeah you know down. would have to abstain yep. but and if both of you know, if you just take an Uber to dinner, you can both you know you can both drink. And so his theory, there's going to be a lot more families with three kids instead of two.
1: That's pretty funny. I like that the the Uber boom, you know, like of uh, right. <laughs> Uber's helping the world uh, in in uh, in families with families. That's what it's all about.
0: <laughs> but there's, it's it seems funny because it's you know it's just a funny idea that people are going to <laughs> have extra babies but but there's a certain logic to it yeah i, yeah. I do think it's true. i mean don't you you
1: know. you know it's sort of the the flip side of that just in general isn't it great to know like with when you go out in a city or or not anywhere really um you know when you want to have a few drinks like you just do not have to worry about it um and that just right. was not the reality 10 years ago of course
0: right and there's parts of of philly um you know, there's, there's. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything to you if you're not here. But like an area we call Fish Town, and and it's like the the gentrified area, like the part that was really kind of sketchy even ten fifteen years ago. And there's all. It's sort of like the that's where all the hipster stuff yeah. is. But there's lots and lots. I mean, because of that, there's it's all sorts of you know new restaurants that open up open up in that area, and it's. Always, even now that it's more popular, grossly underserved by cabs. So, like, you can get a cab to go there easily, but then when you want to leave, you are, you know, good luck. Yeah, you know, right. you can, and it's actually the type of thing where you, you know, you'd actually like call a cab company, which, you know, seems like such an old timey thing to do. Um, but then you you know you wait right. and it's like every time I remember from you know in the old days before Uber and stuff like that if I did call for a cab, you know you could wait half an hour and, and they don't come.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that was that was very much the reality of the situation when I got to San Francisco almost ten years ago. Um, and of course this is you know that everyone knows the thing now. Like part of the reason why Uber came into existence, I mean the main story was like they were in uh, Paris and and sort of at a at a tech conference and sort of talking about. You know, like, wouldn't it be cool to have a black car service or whatever? Um, but the reality is that when they got back to San Francisco, everyone was living in this reality where San Francisco public transportation was awful. And it still is awful outside of Uber. Um, you know, Muni is the the line here that's um, the public transportation that goes down all the time and is always running late. And it's it's a constant joke. Uh, if you follow like Matt Honan on, on Twitter, it's like 50% of his tweets are complaining about Muni. Um, and then we have the BART system, which is, we have all these like sort of half Baked uh, public transportation things, but when I moved to San Francisco, I lived in an area called Russian Hill, uh, which was not connected to any or near any of the public transportation aside from the cable cars, which I would take every once in a while, which is sort of ridiculous because it 's very much you know like a tourist thing, and so i 'm on there with you know fifty tourists and i 'm trying to take this to commute uh, into Soma. Um, and it takes forever because it goes slow to, to appreciate the view or whatever. Um, but that was the reality uh, of public transportation for me when I moved to San Francisco. And yeah, so like you would see a cab every once in a while. But if you, if you would have to get lucky to sort of spot one out there, and that was even still like a better... Uh, situation than trying to call one. I mean, I remember I would call them from my apartment in Russian Hill and and it would be often like a 45 minute wait and, and about half the time they just wouldn't show up at all. So you couldn't trust it. And so like when right. people are talking about, you know, like like there's just simple things that led to the rise of, of services like Uber and just why the, the cab companies get all mad like, um you know, that, that this is happening to them. It's like I mean, they really did do it to themselves.
0: Yeah. Uh, in philly it's again a long story short but the cab situation here is i've told this story on the show before but it really is true philly's cabs are really lower less regulated in terms of like in just the i mean we have it's just like new york and other big cities where you have to have a taxi medallion um and they limit the number of medallions you know so it's like artificial scarcity but the actual cars themselves don't have very high inspection standards and new york does and so most of the cabs on the road in philadelphia are cabs that failed regular you know the inspection in New York, <laughs> oh, that's funny and I they, didn't just know that. ship, they just ship them down the jersey turnpike and sell them to cab companies in philly or police cruisers uh, uh the last time i couldn't remember the name of the car crown victorias yeah. just uh and and some of them you if you actually pay attention to the crown vic cabs in philly you can actually still see the ones that have the police <laughs> on the back they just they just paint them they just paint over that's them. funny <laughs> and they're just and everybody knows that police officers abuse their cars right. their cars you know they drive them up curbs you know they're <laughs> they're you know they're in action and then once the police are like wow this isn't even good enough to use for a police cruiser anymore <laughs> then they just sell them to a, a cap company in philly and they're just really again this is a total white wine this is absolutely coming from a position of privilege um but the the cab, most of the cabs in Philly, they're just gross. They're just gross as being. in. Yeah. They don't smell good. Um, yep. The the air conditioning, a lot of them, especially the Crown Vicks. and, and the Crown Vicks are they're they're because they're not making them anymore, and so slowly but surely they're getting off the roads and they're being replaced by uh, newer cars. Um, but like the Crown Vicks, they all have the um, the safety style divider between you and the the cab driver right. you know with plexiglass and most of them there's just like this gross I swear to god like a 2 inch diameter tube down on the floor, coming from the front, which is where the heater, air conditioning gets sent to the back.
1: <laughs> oh, that's great! I guess at, at first I thought you were going. That's where sort of the uh, the the driver discharges uh, when they've been driving for a long time. So that's slightly
0: better than that, but <laughs> yeah, it's slightly better. It's definitely better. Than that. Um, but yeah, like yeah. imagine like an ac- accordion style tube, you know, like a plastic <laughs> tube, like the sort. You yeah, know, those yeah. ones that kids can like wave around and they make like a funny noise. It's like that type of tube, and it's just there on the floor. And that's, that's where your air conditioning comes and, from. It's really, it, they did it to themselves. And so that
1: used to be the situation, too, with cabs in San Francisco. For sure, they were disgusting. Like, they were ridiculous cars. Um, I've noticed, the only time I ever take a cab anymore in San Francisco, I've taken a few coming back from the airport, um, just because, obviously, a lot of cities, as I'm sure you know, too, have these weird rules around, like, where an Uber or Lyft can pick you up. And, like, you know, yeah. sort of the, it takes sometimes longer to wait because of that as a result. So if I'm in a hurry, I'll just hop in a cab. And um, so I've been in a few recently coming back from places. And Uh, the cabs are like night and day better than they were those eight years ago. I mean, it's, it's the case of just the existence of Uber, Lyft and everything else has, has caused them to, has forced them to, uh, to up their game, which means no longer accordion tubes of heat. Uh, and of course they all now have, you know, sort of, at first, none of them would take credit card in San Francisco. It drove me insane. Now they all seem to, um, as a result of this, but, um. Yeah, things like that. And you can summon a few from apps now, it seems like, and, and whatnot. So it has uh, risen, all risen. the tide has risen for all boats, but uh,
0: still, yeah, took, him, took that case for it to happen. All right, let's hold that thought because I'll come back to it. Um, I don't want to talk about Apple and where the rise of the self-driving cars might play into Apple's car ambitions. But I'm going to take a break sure. and thank our – for a sponsor, it is Wealthfront. Wealthfront is an automated investment service that holds over three billion dollars in client assets. In plain English, Wealthfront makes it easy for anyone to get a sophistic- access to a sophisticated, diversified, long-term investment portfolio without high fees. In fact, with very low fees and with uh, minimal account minimums, you don't you don't have to put a lot of money in. Uh, you just give it your money to Wealthfront, you invest it there, and then they take care of all the complex stuff of where to actually invest it. Uh, investors with small accounts love Wealthfront because their low account minimum is just 500 bucks. So you don't have to put a lot of money into this if you want to get started with Wealthfront. And in fact, uh, even their clients who have larger investments large investments typically start with a small amount just to see what it's like just to double check don't take my word for it as a guy reading a podcast ad just you know put 500 or $1000 in see how it works see how easy the website is etc and then put your quote unquote real money in but you can start with just 500 bucks and up to $10,000 is managed for free totally free um But if you follow the URL I have for you, which is Wealthfront.com slash The Talk Show, you get up to $15,000 managed for free. Uh, Investors with larger accounts, over $15,000, love Wealthfront because uh, they have incredibly valuable investment services. Um, They do things like uh, something called tax loss harvesting. Long story short, it just minimizes the amount of taxes you have to pay strategically on your investment. Uh, and the fees are incredibly low. Their client fee is just one quarter of 1%. And that's only on the money you put in the account over $10,000, but it's over $15,000 if uh, you follow my URL. So if you're looking for a smarter way to invest for the long term, go check them out. They have so much information on their website and so many different account types. They have corporate accounts. They have anything you can want. Way more detailed than I can tell you. Um, Go to wealthfront.com slash the talk show. Wealthfront.com slash the talk show. It's a great place to invest your money. So I would say this is one of the most frequent emails I get on a weekly basis from readers of, of Daring Fireball or listeners of this show is just readers just saying, hey, hey, John. Idea. Uh, what if Apple's car project isn't about a car that they're going to sell? What if it's uh, like a self-driving car service? And I, I, I can't tell you. I, I mean, literally, I get a, two or three emails like that a week. And my answer is, oh, I, if, I, <laughs> if I answer the email, I, a lot of times I don't have time to answer emails. I'm sorry about that. But my answer is maybe. I, I don't know. It's It's possible. I mean, my only thing about that, though, is that Apple traditionally is a company that at its core makes objects that are beautiful, that are well-designed, that have like a a, a a sexiness to them. And then they sell them to people who want nice things at a premium price. That's just what Apple does. So uh, common sense would tell me that, it just by history, that if Apple's making a car, they're making a car that they plan to sell at a, uh, at a, a high profit. Yeah, I mean, so
1: that's been a thing that, that's been bandied about i guess since since the whole rumors of apple cars started first and foremost it was uh was it going to be an electric car and it seems like i mean that's a that seems like a for sure thing right there's no chance that apple makes a uh you know an old gas guzzler type car um
0: i i would say of yeah i would say of all the maybes and who the hell knows what they're planning with cars that's the one thing i would i would say is a hundred percent a lot yeah because it's it's so off their brand at this point right with they're the, so committed with
1: environments and everything right like
0: right yeah they're so committed to the environment I mean uh, here in I bet it's the same everywhere but here in philly uh, uh the front of the store right now says uh this store is uh, runs on 100 yep. percent renewable I energy. saw that exact There's, same thing the other day yep there, there's no way that <laughs> right. you could sell a device that runs on gasoline this, this. inside <laughs> a store that says the store runs on a hundred percent renewable energy. You just can't. It's, it's off their brand. So it's I clearly they're not. I don't even think they're they're looking
1: at maybe. That. Yeah, maybe in like ten years they'll have the campaign like you know we. Uh you know we really are upset that uh global warming has slowed to the level um you know of sustainability, so we're really amping it up we wanna we wanna get get that back on track uh the world is becoming too cold um and so yeah uh so the I do wonder, like I and I also think. I mean, I would I would guess that that also rules out a hybrid. Um, you know, they could do something like that, I guess, but I, I would imagine that they just we're in this we're at the place now with with where Tesla's at, where it, it would make no sense. I think to even do a hybrid approach, it has to be all electric, right?
0: I think so. I I, don't, I think even in a high, I just think they can't get they just can't get near. I think I think branding wise is why I'm certain yeah. that they just can't get near gasoline. But I think just Putting on my you know predicting the future hat, uh, I, I I just think that's on the way out. I think that hybrids were obviously a stopgap yeah. and you know maybe a necessary one. I'm not even saying that they weren't you know that the hybrids that are on a road aren't doing a good job, but it clearly doesn't seem like that's where the puck is going. So
1: the other point of would Apple just do this as sort of a service type thing is an interesting question. Um, I mean I'm with you that I it just doesn't seem like it's it's what they do that they would they would do something like that. It is interesting to think about if they're you know, if they're sort of looking at the big level picture of what everyone else is looking at, like with, with regard to the quote unquote doom of Apple, you know, that they can't find they can't find a business that's um that's more interesting than the iPhone, um, do they start to really think outside the box and as they, they start to go down the path more of services, I mean maybe there's a chance that uh you know they realize that this beyond just selling a a car themselves maybe it's more interesting to have a service that's you know potentially uh, a more stable source of of uh, ongoing revenue uh maybe but i don't i mean i don't think that that's the case but that's the only like argument i could make as to why they would do something like that um I do think the self-driving question itself is interesting. It also would seem to me that that's what uh, they would likely be going after versus having it just be... On electric, but I don't know about that. It's possible that they're doing like a, a two pronged approach one, uh, an electric car that you can drive yourself, like Tesla, to the fully self driving one, or some sort of hybrid. As you know, like, sort of a lot of the Teslas now are rolling out these like software updates to do like autonomous driving in some capacity, like when it's on the freeway and whatnot. So um, it could end up being something like that.
0: I, I, I just feel like the timeline doesn't add up. To bank on self-driving, my my best guess, and it just sounds so like like I'm trying to have it every way. I'm not you know I'm not making a firm prediction, but my guess is that Apple is working on electric cars. That they are absolutely working on self-driving technologies. Mm-hmm. And what it, you know, let's say the earliest I think the earliest they could possibly actually unveil an Apple branded car is like 2020. Yep. So even even if there's some kind of Apple magic that that throwing their resources at, that, that, that proves me wrong, 2019, I mean, that just seems crazy right. to go from not having a car other than as a secret project to actually having them on the road that you can buy. 2019 seems like fantasy land. By 2020, will self-driving cars be there that you could do like the... Uh, not even have your hands on, you know, not even be paying attention to the road. I just don't see that as possible. And even just legally, right? Like, even if the technology, I think the technology is going to get there before the laws. Yeah.
1: Th- I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent for sure. Um, I mean, I guess they could, it, maybe you could look at it sort of like the way, you know, like the iPhone rolled out, right? Like, there were, um, faster a uh, 3g services at the time right but they rolled out without right. 3g and so like maybe it is still the case even if there was self-driving cars out on the road and like or you know say 75% self-driving it's like it could be self-driving beyond like a few um uh, you know areas where it's not. Um, it's possible that Apple would just roll out it as not, you know, not uh, advertised or whatever as uh, as self driving, uh, because they don't feel like it's a good enough experience yet. And that's that. I could see that. You know that world where it's like, um, you know, maybe maybe Google is something out there, maybe Uber, maybe Tesla. And they're they're billing them more as self driving, but Apple is a bit more sort of cautious on that front, and uh, and and really waiting for it to be like a fully self driving thing before they they go down that road.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I think. Is that they're they're planning for that full steam ahead, but that they are also planning. I I'm guessing to ship a car before that's ready. Yeah. And that exactly, you know, the analogy to 3G and LTE, but 3G is a perfect example because there, 3G was actually, there were 3G phones. It's actually one of the, you know, if you go back and look at the claim chowder of the people who who panned the original iPhone, they'd be like, it's not even 3G, right. you know, it's. Right. Uh, I, I think it's that sort of thing where they're like, look, for practical purposes, we're going to go with Edge for this one and, you know we'll pick up 3G in a year or two. But do you think that they would do sort of
1: like what Tesla has done? So they roll out one high-end, you know, Tesla started with the Roadster, which is like a super high-end, super fancy sports right. car, right? And then, and Elon Musk, in that in that great blog post many years ago, laid out exactly what they were going to do and what they're now pulling off, right? Um, that they would yep. then roll out a cheaper version, uh, and then sort of a SUV-type version, and then, like, the cheapest version, you know, sort of the mass-market version. Do you think Apple would take that approach, something akin to that, where they do sort of one at a time, versus rolling out like say two models um you know like a uh, a high-end version and then more like the sedan for for regular folks or
0: something prior to apple watch i would have said one for sure because that's how apple always did things right? right there's one iphone there's one ipad here it is this is the ipad and only years down the road are there things like ipad pros and ipad minis and you know, low-end models with two-year-old systems on a chip, and high-end models with the latest and greatest. Only years down the road, but without after Apple Watch, I I think I don't know. I don't I don't know that you know. Maybe Apple Watch. I keep thinking that maybe Apple Watch is not that it was that the, not that the only reason they did it was as a test for the car, but that it it lays out the formula for the car where they might do three right yep. Apple Car Sport, you right? Know, Twenty thousand, twenty five thousand dollars, or something like that. Thirty thousand dollars, Apple Car, fifty thousand dollars, and the Apple Car Edition, you know, for for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> um, and I I'm laughing, but part of the reason I say that is that I know that there's an off, you know, executives at Apple. Or I've been to the Apple parking lot. There are a lot of really nice cars in in the Infinite Loop parking lot people who work at apple have nice cars it's and, it's almost like i've just,
1: and we know like I, johnny ive and and uh, uh phil, phil schiller. schiller and uh who else um eddie q right eddie, he was, he's, he's on the board of lamborghini i think um yes yeah. Yeah. So, yeah so they're obviously car guys they're they like their fancy cars right yeah
0: so you know how uh, you know how do you you know if they're already car guys who like exotic cars, how does Apple get into it without making an exotic car?
1: Well, and to, to tie it back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, we were we were talking about in the context of Uber, like not needing to own a car anymore. Like, if we're talking about, let's say it's it's 2020, so it's you know uh, a little less than four years. So let's say it's four years from now, four or five years from now, um, and more people are in the space of what you know sort of you and your wife were debating and me and my wife now live in uh in let's just say in urban areas at least in in city areas um that they feel like they don't need to own a car like is it weird for apple to be making a car that they would potentially be selling for whatever $50,000 um in a world where a decreasing number of people are buying cars
0: that's a great question. That's part of why I find this whole topic fascinating because there's so many trends that are moving, right? Yep. There's the that we've talked about them, but there's the, you know, gas to electric. There's the self-driving is coming. There's and then like you there's this whole shared, you know, ride-sharing thing where people just don't own cars period. I think my guess is that okay, fewer and fewer people are buying cars, but Apple can enter and if you're going to buy a car, they're going to they're going to have a compelling right car. Right. You know that it's easy to say, sure, fewer people are buying cars, but it's, you know, people also said fewer people are buying watches. Fewer people wear a watch than ever before. That's true. Uh, That's
1: a good point. Because um, I was gonna, I was gonna know, say like PCs. Fewer people are buying PCs, right? But then Mac is still doing well, relatively speaking. But would they enter that world now? You know, knowing it's an overall shrinking world, um, and that, that's not to say they wouldn't. But it's it's a calculation right. you have to make.
0: Yeah, I, I totally, I think so. But I just think that the market for cars is so big. That so many, you know, there are so many car companies and so many, you know, it's just so much money in the industry overall that even if it shrinks, you know, significantly, that uh, Apple can take a a sizable chunk of the profitable end of that market. And it still is huge.
1: Right. And it's a potential, you know, talking going back to the what is the next iPhone it's one of the potential things that could actually match the iPhone like i think we're all i think everyone i would assume you're in agreement now like and and always have been but like that even at the uh the best case scenario for Apple Watch it cannot match what the iPhone did just because of the whole subsidy model um you know and and the way that that the world just worked back then and the watch has nothing like that even if apple sells more of them overall they're not going to make as much money off of it because it's just a different business
0: right there's no way even no matter how popular apple watch becomes it's not going to sell in the quantity that iphone does and each one they do sell is going to sell for at, at least half the price if not even less than half the price of of the iphone today right because almost everybody gets the sport model, right. uh, which is a mistake. I so made. it's a lower price product. <laughs> it's a lower price. Which, what? What? You did buy a sport? <laughs> no, or? I should have
1: bought a sport. I bought the the regular Apple Watch, not the edition. I bought the uh, the right. regular one, and it's like I don't know why I did that. Uh, I did that because I thought it would be sl- slightly different or whatever. But it definitely should have gotten the sport. Anyway, that's an aside.
0: Yeah, I've uh, I've mentioned I, I could I I have the. The i'm actually wearing it today i have the the regular one with the the space black and i do like a link style bracelet and it is a wonderful bracelet yeah. and it's very comfortable but um i really think that the the sport models are superior just because the taptic engine works better
1: yeah and wasn't it supposed to have a slightly better screen I was i remember like something slightly better maybe.
0: Uh, it's the 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 display isn't any better um, but the surface of the display on the on on the regular Apple Watch is sapphire. That's and right. The other one right. is okay. a, yeah. whatever right. ion coated glass. Right. You know, so it does pick up fine scratches. Yeah. Got it. But I've looked at my sons. My son wears has an, has had an Apple Watch from I, I guess around a year, and uh, wears it a lot. And you know, he's a twelve year old kid, and he's you know, it's not like he's taking good care of it. I've looked at the screen, and it, it does have fine scratches, but it's no different than any other you know non sapphire. Coated watch that I've worn. It's, yeah. you know, and when you're actually looking at the display head on, the scratches are, you, you can't see them. You have to do the thing where you turn the display off and kind of find a glare, a glaring light source to sort of right, right. spot the scratches. Right.
1: Um, yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, anyway the, uh, so yeah, most people are buying the cheaper version. And um, so the car, you know, high end cars are one of the few things that could produce the types of revenues that would match iPhone potentially at a at a or, massive scale. Right,
0: or at, at least be like the same class of planet. Right. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like so maybe the iPhone is still Jupiter but you know it's still going to you know the car potentially is another, you know, gas giant could <laughs> be like Neptune or something like <laughs> that. As opposed to the Apple Watch which is really just, you know, like another Venus or Earth or Mars or something. Yes. Um, like it's a planet. It's you know it's not Pluto. <laughs> it's a real planet, but it's come on. You can't compare it to Jupiter. But the car could be just because the car would sell. Just you know it, it You know it could easily sell for thirty thousand dollars. Quite frank, you know. let it's, it's Apple, so it's probably more. So.
1: I know you want to talk about the Peter Thiel thing, too, as well, and, and we can get to that, but before, while we're still on the topic of Apple, the one thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is the whole um, Alexa and, you know, there the rumors now, I think the information I had the report the other day that Apple would be working on a potential... Um, Echo competitor, and of course, Google announced their home thing at I.O., which is the Echo competitor, and sort of, I'm interested in your take on on that. Like, I think at a, at a high level, you know, we went back and forth on Twitter a little bit one night, and I think you know my my perspective
0: on it, which is that the... uh, Well, hold your thought, yeah, hold your thought, because okay. that was already in my list of topics I want to talk to you sure. about, and I w- we could do a whole segment on it. So let me take a break and thank another sponsor, thank our good friends at Audible. Um, uh, audible.com has more than 250,000 audio books and spoken word audio products. Uh, you can get a 30 day free trial at audible.com slash talk show. Just go to audible.com slash talk show 30 days. You don't pay anything. You can listen to all this stuff. It's absolutely amazing. The, the size of the library that they have, uh, you can listen to these audio books from virtually any genre. And you could do it anytime, anywhere. And you can play them on your phone, play them on your tablet, play it on your computer. Uh, if you have a Kindle Fire or one of the modern, you know, Kindles, you, you know, like that, you can play it on that. You can even play it on your good old-fashioned iPod, which is really where Audible got started spo- sponsoring podcasts. Was you download the stuff and just stick them on your iPod and listen to them. Audiobooks are great for flights, road trips, your daily commute. Really, I think the reason Audible keeps coming back to sponsor this show and other podcasts is that if you're listening to me read this sponsored blurb, that means you like listening to spoken audio content. And if you find yourself craving more, Audible.com, you're not going to, you know, nobody has uh, a commute long enough to listen to all the stuff that Audible has. So go there and check it out. 30 day free trial, Audible.com. Uh, slash talk show my thanks to audible for their continued sponsorship of of this show
1: uh you quickly before we go into uh alexa and whatnot you brought up bill simmons podcast earlier i was curious, always curious if you ever thought about doing what he does when he does his uh sponsor reads and plays like i think he plays like a tupac song or whatever in the background but uh do you think about you know like a way to uh to sort of i don't know parishion it differently than uh than the, the rest of the show
0: I have, it's funny, it's very funny that you would bring that up, because two reasons that I have thought about that is, A, Bill Simmons' podcast, which now with this whole Ringer thing, there's more of them, and I've been listening to them, and I've noticed that, and I like it, I like, I I really like his reads, too, I think he does a great job at it, Uh, it it makes me want to up my game on making sure that the the reads are engaging like that's really one of the things I feel like I feel like when I do this show I'm just having fun talking to people who I like talking yep. to and my job is doing the sponsor reads in a way that makes people not want to skip them yep and how can I do that what would I what would I what would it take for me if I were listening to the talk show to not want to skip this ad and I never skip Bill Simmons's so I really and it, it inspires me but I've noticed that he plays the 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 music guy yeah it. and then the 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 gang on uh, Accidental Tech podcast has started. Uh, they've been—it's almost like an in-joke where they—they they haven't been playing music behind the reads, but they've been—they've added little uh, sounds b- to start it and close them. Okay, so people is, to
1: give people an indication of like this is this is now you know
0: the sponsored yeah. break. Um, Ding ding ding, and and you know, and then it's the sponsoring, and 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 then when it's over, it's like dun dun dun, and then it's like you're back. And and I have to mention because they did, uh, it, Marco Arment on ATP said that his inspiration for starting to do that when he edits the show is uh, the absolutely great podcast, which I've mentioned before, Hello Internet with uh, uh, CGP Cray, or CGP Gray and uh, the other guy.
1: Um, <laughs> when uh... So I've listened to Simmons' podcast for a long time, you know, dating dating back well to like the earlier, I think probably near near when he started it at at ESPN and I think 'Cause originally they would play I think they would play like canned ads, um and they still do this on many ESPN podcasts. And so he slowly evolved into more of the, the, the reads that you that you hear now and, and certainly what you do. And one of the reasons why I think like you you like him and I like him too is because he was so bad at it at first. Like it's almost <laughs> like um when someone told him that, you know, well, you got to do, you got to, like, actually talk about it, that's what resonates with sort of podcast listeners. And so, you know, if you're just, like, you know, having a conversation then all of a sudden dive into a spiel about, um, you know, whatever the, the advertiser is doing, it, it, uh, it comes across much better than sort of a canned uh, recording of whatever the, the advertiser is saying. Um, and so, at first, he was so bad at it. And I think he's evolved over time and almost, like, plays on, like, being bad at it. It, it, because it's not so bad anymore, yeah. but it's like it's just natural right it's like the way that he would yeah. talk about it um and i think you honestly i think you do a good job of it as well um but uh the only thing is his just feels like more raw that's that's what it is yeah yeah,
0: yeah. uh i i i have to add it's uh Brady Harran is the other co-host of of hello internet um but they do they 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 do the same thing with the bumper sounds I don't know I have to think about it I'm not setting my ways on this um okay. So Siri so the so the information had a scoop the other day that uh, Apple is planning both a Siri API for developers to extend yep. Siri uh, and an echo like standalone device, which is like the uh, also competitive with the upcoming Google home right
1: um so I have had a Amazon Echo. I always get confused whether I should call it Alexa or Echo. I know it is the yeah. Echo. It uses Alexa is the the persona, obviously, um,
0: but it's also how you address it. You say right. It's a Alexa, weird. It's what's a the weird
1: branding issue? Um, I think they should just call it Alexa, honestly. But anyway, so I've had one for several months now, about a quarter, and um, use definitely use it daily when I'm home, unless I'm on the road, of course. Um, and am slowly but surely finding new use cases for it. you know it started as sort of novelty, of course, just you know what's the weather and and whatever. Um, now I use it almost daily to to sort of read me the latest news, uh, which is sort of another obvious one, but um, it's sort of a nice way just to when you when you get up in the morning, just like, Alexa, what's the latest news?" and it'll just start doing it like there's no there's no phone to unlock, there's no button to push um you just speak out loud. That's what you want. Um, My wife uses it all the time when she's cooking to say, and it's like a constant thing. It's almost like a, like a, an orchestrated uh, event of her cooking. And with the Alexa in the kitchen saying like, Alexa, set a timer for two minutes. Then two minutes goes by. It goes off. Alexa off. Alexa set a timer for five minutes. And it's like this whole thing that just goes on every, you know, every night that she's cooking. And it's, uh, it's really a Good device. And I was skeptical of it when I first heard about it because it seemed ridiculous, right? It's a standalone expensive thing that does a lot of what you can already do with Siri and Cortana and you know whatever Google Now and some of the other things. Um,
0: but in using it, it's useful. Yeah, and there's a certain like the the, the kitchen scenario the cooking and cooking in the kitchen scenario is uh, almost ideal for it. I have one too. I just got it like three weeks ago, and and I'm not using it that much. Um, but I, th- I I think one of the reasons. Do you have any of the smart home stuff, like um, light bulbs and stuff like that? I don't have anything like that.
1: Yeah, no, not that I think we do have like one light bulb thing, but not that we use, and we don't have right. like a Nest or anything like that currently installed.
0: Right. But uh, but for the cooking stuff, so I know people. You know, people definitely use their phones for stuff like that, and I know. Definitely, people use like a, a smartwatch, like your Apple Watch or whatever the smartwatch to do that stuff too. But the thing with Echo is it's completely hands free. So you don't have to push a button on a watch or fish your phone out of the pocket or on, you know, I know your phone. I guess if you, you know, if you have a, a new iPhone, you could, if you have it plugged in, you can try the hey. You know the name of. I try to avoid it, so we don't have to beep it. But uh, <laughs> uh, Siri. Um, um, but yeah. you know it works even if not plugged in. Like
1: this is a big thing that people. Oh yeah, like, it does now. That's that's yeah, the yeah, thing yeah. that
0: you have to have a new one for now. That's right. right. That's exactly, the new feature, exactly. right? If you have like yeah. the iPhone success. Um, right. it, it just seems though that Echo is more reliable. Like you can really count on it. Yeah, it, it's it, to get to make sure that you that it. It's giving you the timer that you just told. I, I still want. I, I I go back and forth on this, but told her to, to say yeah, right, right. That's, I struggle. So. I really struggle with the pronoun for these things. I tend to use her with Siri, and it's even weirder because I know that in some countries it defaults to a male voice.
1: That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you should you use it? And yeah, the whole it's a very strange dynamic that. I think will never be fully sorted out. Um but yeah, so you bring up like the I don't I even hesitate hesitate to call it accuracy because I'm not 100% sure that like Alexa is more accurate than say Siri. Um it seems that way, but it's just more reliable, right? Like yeah. and I think it's because it's a combination of things, but one of the things is that you know, when you set up Siri, you have to set it up by like saying hey I also don't want to set off all my devices. Uh, You know the word. Um, Hey, she who shall not be named. Um, And so you have to do that a few times, right? And so it's like Apple obviously thought that that's like a good way to make it sort of personalized to you. And so someone else can't necessarily set it off. Um, But that is also a limiting factor, it seems like, and and makes it less reliable. Um, And so... Amazon just deciding not to do it that way and just leaving it open so anyone can trigger it, um, you know, ends up being, I think, a smarter implementation, at least for now, of how to do that.
0: Yeah, and anecdotally, I've, heard, I've read this and, and I've had, since I've started talking about this and, you know, heard from people on Twitter and, and email sending me, that a lot, I've heard it n- numerous times, that people with young kids, uh, their kids can use the Echo really reliably, and they yep. have no luck at all with Siri. Siri really doesn't, Siri's speech recognition really isn't good with kids. And it's, it's funny, because it's like, you know it, you know that kids don't speak as, I don't even know what the word is, Are they're not as articulate, They they don't enunciate as crisply as adults. Right. It's like, but you don't. You tend to think of it as, well, oh, that's just how kids talk. But it's it's seemingly from a speech recognition standpoint. It's they're just harder to understand. Whereas humans are so good that we don't really think of kids as being harder to understand. We just think of them as sounding as kids because right. our our natural uh, linguistic abilities are so good that we we just blow right through the way that they mispronounce words
1: yeah and and so the kids thing is interesting also because um before i got a echo everyone one of the main themes that kept coming up is like kids love it and i don't have kids I, you have a son like does your right. son use it like is no it, not is really it... he's
0: he's but he I, I he kind of thinks it's pointless because but there's nothing he really wants to know from it that we have hooked up yeah we had fun. Um, we did have fun as the family the one uh, one or two nights playing music and calling out, you know. And then it's it's funny because it's like if there's a song on and any one of the three of us doesn't like it, you can tell Alexa to stop and you know play something else.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's I think that's been stated. I don't know if it's by uh, Amazon or not that that's one of the main use cases. Of course, is playing playing the music and it's um yeah it's pretty I it's a seamless way to you know do. Hey Alexa, and I said, "Hey, you don't have to say hey, of course." Alexa, play, um, you know this this station on Pandora or whatever. I think you can hook up. Obviously, Amazon Music. Um, you can hook up Pandora. Uh, you can't hook up uh, Apple Music right now, right? So, no. um, I don't. so there's. <laughs> I
0: don't expect Apple to get on that quickly.
1: Yeah, no, um, I don't either. But um, so that's one big use case. So the other thing is. It obviously has a decent speaker but it's not great it's not like a sonos or, or something right. like that and you can hook up because we also got the dot thing you know the dot is a yeah. like smaller one the, as an aside the one thing i loved about that rollout was um the fact that in order to first order a dot you actually had to order it through the echo you had to say like uh alexa um order me a dot and it knew what it knew what it was i mean my wife actually did it and within three minutes or whatever it confirms and so uh we had a we had a dot ordered and come and shipping to our house and we got it and it and work beautifully and you couldn't order it on the website uh at least at the time when they when they first sort of rolled that out so that was that was sort of fascinating
0: i don't think you can now i mean i just searched amazon for echo i don't see it echo dot let me see so do you know it's uh, no, they do have it you can get it you can get echo dot for 89 dollars on amazon um oh. do you know it's hilarious no. right now? so i
1: just was giving that whole spiel and I swear to God, I just triggered Alexa, and she's now playing music in uh, <laughs> my bedroom. So I'm in my office right now, uh, one, one uh, room down from the bedroom. I all of a sudden heard this music, and I'm like, is my wife home? Did she just start playing music? Because I thought I heard a voice. It was Alexa, and it was Alexa saying, now playing, whatever. And so there's just <laughs> music playing in the bedroom right now.
0: I stand corrected. So there is a webpage on Amazon for the Echo Dot, but it says available exclusively from Alexa. Echo Dot is available in limited quantities and exclusively for Prime members through Alexa Voice Shopping. So I think that that's that's ingenious because
1: it obviously makes it so that first and foremost only sort of quote unquote hardcore users are going to to be able to get it and get it that way and people who already understand right the they have to have Alexa uh, an echo sorry to uh, to be able to do it so it doesn't need like you know some sort of new learning curve all of a sudden because you should already know
0: how to use it based on that yeah. Uh, I think the music playing is clearly, you know, the the and when this rumor from uh, the, the information came out that Apple de- has a device like this in, in the works and that they've been working on it for quite a while, uh, a bunch of people said, "Well, why? Why I have my iPhone with me everywhere I go? Well, you know, if I'm going to use Siri, why do I need? Why would the world would I want another device? I don't right. know what else they have planned for it. I don't know what other home." integration you know home kit type features they might have in mind for what kind of a hub it might be for your entire home but the speaker alone makes sense for apple to do just because music is still such a big part of what they want to be known for
1: yep yeah and i'm sort of surprised that you know they weren't i know that you know they're they're almost never the first mover in these types of things but i'm sort of surprised that some sort of combination of things didn't lead them down this path earlier, whether it be the airport express or Apple TV, um, as like, a, a basically the way to do this. Like there were all those rumors. Remember that Apple TV was going to be the hub of their, right. of their whole home, um, initiative. And maybe that still ends up being the case, but like, that was the whole thing about like, why is it running iOS? And of course apps, but also maybe, you know, the, uh, the home kit stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm sort of just a little surprised that they didn't make a all-in-one type device, and especially like knowing, um, uh, you know, the the popularity of things like Sonos, um, and, and they're obviously, they had to work with Sonos to get Apple Music as one of the first things on there. Um, but maybe it was, I think you made the joke the other day, maybe it was uh, the, the iPod hi-fi thing that sort of <laughs> dissuaded them from doing that, uh, because that was obviously a disaster.
0: That's what I want him to call it. I want him to call it the the Siri. (laughs) They have the trademark. Yeah. So,
1: (laughs) Um, but yeah, it seems like uh, I think the way someone was saying this the other day on Twitter um, that it's great that we have like Alexa and. And it's cool that you can sort of hook it up to Sonos. It's a pain, honestly, because you have to do it through like the back of the device and through a cable. Um, it's not it's not seamless at all. And now we have things like Eero and like you know the new the newfangled routers that are out. Like it seems like someone should combine all of that into one thing,
0: right? Yes, I think so. But you run into I've thought about this, right? You, it's like it's, it seems like a big a big butt. <laughs> <laughs> like just thinking about my house now, like uh, uh, the cable comes in in the living room and it's sort of like that's where the, the router needs to be. I mean, I right. g- guess I right. could, you know, I, I'd i have to like wire the house with internet or ethernet or something t- or, or get the cable company to come out and put another cable connector somewhere else if I wanted it to be in the kitchen. You know, because that's where well, I want the music to play. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite yeah, sure. I yeah, I understand.
1: Yeah, so that's like a that's one issue. But sort of, I don't know if you've had a chance to play around with like things like the Eero, and there's some other ones coming out that are you know these these newfangled routers that that allow you to um, better spread internet over your entire house. I because um, it's better. I, I have
0: a box downstairs that's full of Eero kit. And it's still in yeah. the box. I, it just came the other day, and I haven't had a chance to look at it. So it's on my radar, and I'm going to set it up. But uh, yeah, if, uh,
1: you should. I mean, we have we have one set up now. Um, and it's great. It's uh, it's surprisingly great how well it works compared to what – I previously just had a uh, an airport ext- – I had both – I had an extreme, and then I had, like, an express, and I had, like, things like doing bridging and, you know, trying to yeah. get good service uh, in in the bedroom and then in the office. And nothing has worked as well as this Eero thing works. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if sort of this, this device things that we're talking about, if they don't do, yeah, you have the main hub in the living room that's that's sort of connected to the still necessary for whatever reason cable modem, and then everything else is like a satellite version, sort of like the uh, the Echo Dot, right? It's like a smaller version of it. So no matter what room you're in, um, you're, co- you're covered by it. And it's sort of like what you have with Sonos now for people who have Sonos in multiple rooms, you know, they... they wirelessly connect to it. Um, you can do wired, of course, but most people, I think, do the wireless version. And so um, so some device, that's like a combination of all these things. So you have the speaker, um, you have the voice assistant type thing, and, um, and you have your Wi-Fi all in one thing. I mean, that seems like where all this should go, but I, I would imagine it'll take a while for, for someone to actually connect that all together to be able to work well.
0: Yeah, and it's just, you know, Apple has a very, you know, right at the forefront of Wi-Fi, you know, I've been making base stations or whatever you want to call them, you know, the thing that gives right. you Wi-Fi in your house. I mean, Apple's been doing it. I mean, they they were one of the first companies to really go public with it. Remember the Phil Schuller demo when he, he jumped onto, a, a like, a mattress? Yeah. <laughs> it was yes, like to, p- to prove that the iBook was getting the internet over the air that's right it was like yeah. heretofore unknown <laughs> like Phil Schiller actually performed a stunt on stage like he he jumped <laughs> on, like off a 10 foot high thing onto like a a padded uh landing thing and then showed that the that the iBook was still getting internet. So Apple's been doing that for a long time. I think that at this point, it's, it just seems like it's too fiddly, especially for a, a, a house compared, you know, an apartment, you know, it's easy to fill it with with your Wi-Fi. But, you know, even right. here, we I have it set up pretty good. Right now, we just have the Airport Extreme. I don't have any of the satellite devices like I used to have. And it, you know, goes up one floor to my office and it's pretty good, Um and it goes up two floors to our bedroom and it's good enough, good enough that it doesn't make me want to get another thing. But even one floor down in our garage, it's gone. So like, it's like when you get in the car, it's like one floor down from where the router is and you want to update something on your phone quick. It's like, sometimes you have to like do the fiddly thing where you turn off (laughs) Wi-Fi because it's so bad.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, you should try the zero thing. I think you'll
0: like. Oh, I'm done to try impressive. it. Rick. I told you it's down. It, it's in the house, so it's it's a sure thing that I will that I will try it. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe that's that's what Apple's going with and I can't help but think that if if the information's report is correct that they've been working on this device for quite a while. I mean like according to the information years, it can't it can't just be a speaker that listens for Siri because they that, I, I You know, if, if it's taken Apple years to do a speaker that listens for Siri, that's, that's a problem. It has to be a little bit more ambitious than that in terms of serving as some kind of, you know, hey, you don't have to buy these six different things. You can just buy this, plug this thing in, and then you're set.
1: Well, and you brought it up. I mean, the importance of music, certainly to Apple. And, you know, they obviously know the popularity of something like Sonos and... Um, do you think then it would be just as predicated around being a great speaker, sort of a Sonos competitor with Siri built in? Is that is that maybe
0: what they would do? Maybe that's what I, you know. And and would they launch it as a family of devices at the beginning so that you can you know put them throughout your house? I mean that seems to be the one area that and I, obviously Amazon is is working on it or has a solution because they have. These dot devices that are meant to be satellite devices, and I know with right. Google Home, people asked when they announced it at uh, I/O last week. Well, what if you have two of these things? And they're like, well, we're we're working on that. We'll get back to right. That. It's right. a hard problem.
1: It you know yes, and the Amazon. So the dot like so in general, I think the consensus is the Echo speaker is okay. It's 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 good enough, you know, for, for casual listening or whatever, and the Dot one is considered to be much more subpar. It's obviously much smaller. It's just a tiny little thing, and that's why it has sort of the output um, to be able to hook it into a speaker, and that's what they suggest you do, actually. Um, so, I wouldn't, like, if I were Apple, I would imagine that the way to do it is just what we were talking about, to do like a really great speaker, um, like a Sonos-like speaker, with the Siri capability built in and i think that would be a great device for a lot of people i don't know how much that would cost you know and like um do they run the risk of it being another hi-fi like device um that's just sort of like a niche product that's that's interesting to a few people i think not i think it's a lot more interesting to do it now especially with everything we just
0: talked about with alexa but i don't know with the hi-fi they really it 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 was I mean, I know for a fact that Steve Jobs was a huge fan of the hi-fi. He really yeah. was, and I mean, I, you know, obviously he's he's willing to, uh, you know, you know, if it wasn't selling, it wasn't selling, even if he liked it. So it wasn't like he kept it around just because he liked it. But I know he liked it, and and they really put. I it was it was before I was regularly attending their press events, and I was not at the at the intro event for it. But I remember reading about it, and they really went all out, and they set up a. a Jason Snell was there, and he was talking about it a few weeks ago when he was on the show, that they, right there in, in, uh, like, the upstairs area where they do the press briefings at the press events above Town Hall, they they brought in, you know, they they made, like, an Ikea almost, like, where they made a whole bunch of, like, living rooms. You know, but, and of course, yeah. you know, like Apple, they made them, they were really nice. You know, they made all these, they they like furnished the whole place as like an apartment complex and then had, you know, individual people you come in. And it wasn't just like, hey, hit play and listen to it for few seconds. They wanted you to like relax, sit on the couch, pretend you live here and listen to this. <laughs> Have and a they, drink. Yeah. Right. And they really <laughs> yeah. pushed like, hey, doesn't this sound amazing? Like they really, really wanted to make that like, I mean, I... I had I didn't buy one, so I don't know. I don't know how good it sounded. But Apple at least really went all out, at least in terms of marketing, as pitching it as being high quality audio. So I think that's one area where they could definitely get a leg up on Echo because Echo, it's good. It's not bad. It's you know good enough for like a speaker in your kitchen to play music, but it's right. not great. And so that
1: plus, so like a great speaker plus what what you know you mentioned from the information report with the siri apis which obviously everyone's been clamoring for since siri came out um so that plus the ability to do much more than what uh the echo can do because the echo has an api obviously and a lot of people are playing around with it and doing some interesting things with it like we mentioned uber you know you can call an uber from it right now um and but it does feel like uh it's it's a little bit wonky. It's a little bit n- not wonky necessarily. It's just um, I, I'm sure you've used the app. The app is awful for yeah. for the uh, for the uh, Echo, and it's hard to. It would be hard for anyone like even it's even hard for me to figure out how exactly to to find things to install and what to install, and it looks god awful. Um, so Apple will obviously do a better job of that, and so it's then a question of like. Uh, is it is it leaps and bounds better than what um amazon can do right now uh if if those apis are good enough
0: yeah and i i really i'm really curious what form these apis come in in terms of like i i can only presume that it'll be apps somehow i guess apps on your iphone or your ios device um but yeah. Maybe. So, do you need to have a, do you need to have that
1: app installed in order to have it be Siri ready?
0: Right. Is that well? Yeah. And if it's on multiple devices, like how how does your Siri if if it's taking advantage of of a third party uh, extension, whatever you want to call it? Like, let's just yeah. say, let's just you know we've been talking about them. Let's just say Uber. Right. Let's yeah. say that through an extension, you're gonna you're gonna allow Siri to hail you an Uber. Do you have to install it on all of your devices? Like, I right. guess you would if it's through an app. But then, how would it how would it get to the standalone device? Is I, I
1: yeah, I, that's weird. Um, it's a good question because, like, it, it seems like it's an either or thing, right? Like, either you would need it installed on all your devices that um, have hooked. To your Siri, like to your Hey Siri stuff, or you would only do it on one so it doesn't get confused. Because, like, say you have Uber installed on, they don't have an iPad version, but you can still obviously install it on an iPad. Right. But say So, say you had it on an iPad and your iPhone, and then you summoned uh, the Uber via Siri. Like, which one? I I guess it opens b- both versions. I, well, I mean, it doesn't matter because on the back end. If, if presuming you were you were tied into the same account the same Uber account when you open the app it should know they should be synced right in the back end um, so i guess it doesn't really matter but there's there's like a lot of more complicated uh, issues like uh, the further you go down with that like which which version of the app that's running on which device are you summoning right i it's
0: uh, i so i'm i don't know so my guess my best guess is to compare it to Apple Watch. And so let's say they open up this Siri SDK. Then the Uber app on your iOS device could have the Siri extension. And then only on the iOS devices that have the latest version of the Uber app would the Siri integration work. Yeah. But then also maybe you developers would be able to create like a, a hi-fi app and just like the way that you, it'll say, like, oh, there's an Apple Watch app that you can install, uh, that there would be, like, if you have the the Siri Hi-Fi, yeah. you would have a Siri Hi-Fi app on your phone. And then you'd go, just like you go to the Apple Watch app to install an app on your watch, you'd go to the Hi-Fi app to install the extension on your yeah. Hi-Fi.
1: We're getting pretty complicated, right? I, I,
0: I see, and it's it makes sense to me. Like that's exactly what I think is it. This makes sense to me technically because I can draw little arrows for all the devices, and I see. Okay, so you download it to your phone, and from your phone, you can install it on your watch, and you can install it on the thing. But then it seems to me like you're doing an awful lot of fiddly system administrator type stuff with these (laughs) devices.
1: Yeah, and so is there a better like? Is it just via the app? And now apps require like I don't know uh, some sort of new iCloud instance that it that's like handling it in right? Some way?
0: And that's that is the other that it you know just erase everything that I just speculated about. Is there going to be some kind of way that a developer would be able to have like an iCloud instance of this API and 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 that's a total new territory for Apple. Like that's unlike. Uh, anything i can think of that apple's ever done
1: yeah yeah i've not i don't know but it's good that they're i think it's smart of course that they're playing in this space smart that google is as well like all these guys are pouring so much so many resources into these um assistants and you know the the whole ai aspect obviously marco's post about apple and ai and stuff um uh you know that they need to be able to get enough data um, to constantly improve these things, and it's almost like table stakes. It seems like it's going to be now that you need to have the home version of whatever the assistant thing is to be able to uh, to keep up and remain on par with all the other competitors.
0: Yeah, one of the things I was thinking about in light of Marco's post um, the other day about it is I was trying to think because I, I didn't agree with him fully. I I, it was a great post and and i the ways that i disagree it's just all you know it's not like marco's dumb it's like no marco's smart and i actually see the logic of what he's saying but something doesn't sit right with me and then i i thought about like social networking and social networking is obviously a huge part of the whole industry that we talk about i mean facebook is a giant company now and and Super influential. I mean, it's you know literally a scandal in the last few weeks, or you know, a controversy, I should say, about the uh, whether or not Facebook is single handedly skewing political news in, in right. the U.S. Uh, it, it, hugely influential. Uh, Instagram is a huge success. Uh, Twitter, we you know, uh, Twitter is Twitter. I love it, but <laughs> it's you know, it is what it is. But it certainly is. It, it, I don't want to go down the route of talking about Twitter as a business, but it's it, it, culturally though its influence is undeniable. I always say, like the right. one thing about Twitter that you, it's just stunning how every time I watch TV news and somebody comes on, it, they tell you what their Twitter handle is. Oh, yeah, every, it's, it's it's well, it's and a, if
1: you watch ESPN at all, it's like yeah, it's a significant percentage of ESPN via reporting, via talking about tweets. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. ESPN. Yeah, sports. It, the Twitter's influence in the sports world alone is astounding, and it's. It's just, cra- especially as we go down the path of the NBA playoffs and stuff. It's, I, I don't know. I think, well, and now Major League Baseball has a ton of Twitter too. So now it's, it's just yeah. everywhere in sports. Um, Apple has no real social networking and they've even tried twice. They had Ping and, yep. uh, then last year the, uh, I don't even remember what it's called, the middle tab of Apple Music.
1: <laughs> right, the, the thing that's going away, apparently. Right,
0: and yeah. uh, hasn't taken off, hasn't really, you know, it never gained a foothold. But so what? Apple has, in a second-level way, sort of thrived on social networking because people use their iPhones to Facebook and to Instagram and to Tweet and yeah. it it's you know it's it's only made the the rise of social networking largely coincides with the rise of the iPhone and it's a big part of why i think that the, there's a real difference though i was thinking about it and the the voice assistants aren't like that because the voice assistants to be useful have to be built into the system like there is right. a Cortana app there is the Google app has all of the Google uh assistant type stuff um you know the the startups that are in this space have apps. Um, I can't remember some of their names, but you know, like yeah, Viv. there's like
1: o- operator. Um, oh, vi- well, Viv is yeah. The, Viv the, the will be an app by the, at least, by the Siri people. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: So you can do that, but that's that's that that doesn't that doesn't make it it doesn't work like that. You can't say go launch an app and then do it. It doesn't work like that. It has to be built into the system. So the one outside the
1: bounds though which I'd be interested in your thoughts on then is the Facebook Messenger one um Facebook M it's called right so that Facebook obviously famously does not have a phone they run on uh uh you know other people's devices but they they do by most accounts have some of the foremost experts in AI uh working at Facebook but they so like how do you square that like where do you think that they where does that come into play? Because you think like they're they're going after AI. They think they're going to be a leader in 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 whatever comes of AI, and certainly these assistant things are are a big part of that, at least right now. And Facebook M is is sort of one of the uh, the, the front runners right now for that. But they don't have the system level integration.
0: It's uh, a good question. Um, it could just be you know to you know to, to do the AI while you're in their apps, like and. Uh, Facebook's advantage is, and I say this is someone who doesn't use Facebook, but people, you know, it, part of what makes them so valuable is that you know people spend an awful lot of people spend an awful lot of time in Facebook, so they already right. have them there, so they 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 almost are they they almost are like their own system. Yeah, that's true. That it's if you're like, already there, you're in yeah. Facebook on your phone or or you know well from i think the phone is probably number 1 now so you're in facebook you're on your phone any kind of ai features that they can offer you it, you're already there so they yeah. have the need for that or or that's that's a the, the, the opportunity
1: a good way to frame it i think it's almost like so the browser on a on a pc or mac is not you know sort of Well, While they are baked into the system, it is a separate application that you're running all the time. Everyone's always running a browser, right? And that's like Facebook on the phone Yep, um, is sort of the – I mean, that's been said before, of course. But it is, in that context, like basically the same thing.
0: They even helpfully cheat and use the audio APIs to make sure they're literally running on your phone all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I keyed, I keyed slightly. Yeah that brings to mind another one of the topics in this space that I want to talk about. And I've seen an awful lot of people bring this up. So one of the other rumors, it's separate from the information report, but there's also a rumor uh, that has come out. Um, I know Mac Rumors had it. I don't know if it was their original. I think it was. I think it was their original scoop that uh, the next version of of Mac OS is going to have Siri built in. Yes. And Um, a lot of people read that. And the question I got is, well, why do I have to talk to Siri? Why can't I just type like Spotlight and then therefore well maybe that's the answer maybe the Spotlight feature goes away and it's replaced by Siri and you can either talk to it or type
1: yeah that's a good that's a good question Um, I think that that you know, thinking about it for a few seconds just now, I think that that's probably the way they should do it. I, I think it's a little weird, like they've, Microsoft has done this too with Cortana. I think it's a little weird to have those things on the desktop in the same, trying to fit them into the same context as they exist right now on mobile devices, um, because you just use a desktop, laptop, whatever, uh, traditional computer differently. Um and you're right. Like a lot of it is text based input. Um, it's not vocal, um, which sort of ties back to the whole thing of why I also think um, Alexa is important because there is no way to interface with it besides the voice. But you know, that's that's a different route to go down. But. Um, but yeah, so I think that Siri as a text based thing is interesting. And that's also like going to Facebook M. Right now, it is mainly text based. It's all chat based, right. right? Like you. So they're doing it the opposite way of what Siri and Alexa and Cortana and. Um, the Google thing, I guess, is a hybrid, right? Because you can talk to it or it can just be. Um, uh, I mean the main interface is like to say "Okay, Google," and then it but it, it loads basically. It's it's doing a search query, right. um, so that's I guess the closest thing to that. And that would be Apple if they did do Siri for Mac OS. Um, doing it with the text thing
0: would be I guess most comparable to that. To Maybe the Google one. You know, there's a trick that I just learned recently. I didn't know this, um, but if you do invoke Siri on your iPhone and um, she hears you wrong, you can, on that results screen, you pull down on it, and to, and mm-hmm. it shows you what Siri thought you said. And yep. then if you tap on that, you can edit that text. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. I, I didn't know it either. I just learned it in the last week or two from someone on Twitter in the midst of talking about all of this. I, I think it was in the, huh. in the context of that discussion of uh, why can't you just enter text. And in other words, why can't you invoke Siri and then pull down or something to bring up a text field and just type your query to Siri? Because there are, there are certain contexts where you can't. Right. You know, what if you're in a quiet area? Yeah, yeah, right. right.
1: Um, huh, yeah, I had no idea
0: about that. Um, so you can edit text after you've made your vocal query to siri you can edit it as text but you can't just type it as text there's no that's
1: so you should uh if you want to use that feature you should just speak gibberish to siri and then just whisper uh, some quick gibberish (laughs) right (laughs) to invoke the text mode (laughs) Um, anyway interesting trick i thought yeah and then there was their report um i think it was nine it was german right um saying that there. The, or was it, or maybe it was a riff off of another report or something, but I know that 9 to 5, uh Mac wrote about it that the new MacBook Pro, conceivably coming out at the end of the year, would have the, um, this like OLED, uh, strip. And, you know, one of the reasons why that might make sense is because then you could have a Siri button without having to have like a
0: physical Siri button. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I saw that rumor and it, it... I don't know what to make of it. It seems kind of interesting. It seems like it, it, maybe it's also sort of like that. Um, I don't remember if it was a Kickstarter. I think it might have been before Kickstarter. But do you remember a couple of years ago, there was somebody who was trying to make a keyboard?
1: Yes. Thing? I Yeah, I know what this is. That LED keyboard thing.
0: Yeah. And it was. Yeah. Uh, the idea was that each key, it was a physical keyboard, but right. each key would be a standalone LED. And so like... In the quote-unquote normal mode, it would be you know qwerty, you know, and it would right. be alphabetic and have numbers. But then, like when you're using Photoshop, the keycaps could change to all of the weird shortcuts. So you you know you could you know it, the H key would change to you know whatever H does in in Photoshop, right? Or um, a game like a game could change all of the buttons to you know different weapons or something like that.
1: Yeah, and it's sort of um, I guess similar to on iOS when you have the, the virtual um, thing on top of the keyboard, right, where it suggests right. um, stuff, and so it can sort of dynamically do different things.
0: Right. So that 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 LED keyboard never really it, it never came to be a realistic project, but it certainly got people excited. I could see how this uh, LED uh, touchscreen and place of the function keys could work like that. So yeah. and and it gets to it's like a little bit like the Mac keyboard getting a little taste of that uh that spiel that Steve Jobs gave at the original iPhone introduction about what to do about the buttons on a phone because once you put them there there's nothing else, you know, they're set and then if you come right. up with a new idea later you you know that you'd like to have a different button what do you do and he goes well the answer is you know we've solved this years ago with the graphical user interface the answer is do it in software so i can kind of see that and quite frankly the idea of f1 f2 f3 keys even it it it's just fiddly and i know apple's you know started printing hard coded printing you know like this is volume up this is volume down this is brightness right, right. Um, and that you know by default that's what those keys do now you have to actually trigger like a system wide uh preference to turn them into regular <laughs> function <laughs> keys
1: right and i think most kids would have no eight, like f1 they would have I, no I, idea, have no idea.
0: yeah my yeah. son if i if I, I i should do it when he gets home from school i should actually see him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah could you hit the yeah. f one key? you what you mean the brightness down key which, which key do you know he, do you know that and i remember when i still have the extended keyboard in front of me but the the apple extended keyboard you know the big tank keyboard that I use. It shipped with like a strip that went around the function keys. Like a no, I... it, it was like a I don't know what you would call it, like a like a stencil almost that would surround the function keys. Oh, yeah, and okay. Different yeah. pro apps would come. Like Quark Express came with with. with yeah, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually it,
1: remember that on IBM PCs they had a similar yeah. thing with that. Yeah, when the, so, the big the big keys the big push down keys right.
0: Yeah. Um, by default f1 i think it was uh, just like i think it was just like zxcv so f1 was undo f2 was cut f3 was copy and f4 was paste but this is <laughs> i mean this a- is ancient apple history this is like stuff that worked in like 1991
1: That's really funny, though, because that's like, uh, you know, talking about this this virtual OLED strip that is, like, the original version of that, right? Like, software that would ship an actual physical printout that you would overlay, you know, uh, around the keys to to change their functions, to know what their function would be. Yeah.
0: So, I, you know, I think this idea sounds to me like, you know, hey, this sounds like a really good idea Uh, because then instead of having these hard-coded things that, you know… You could make that whole area flexible, you know.
1: Yeah, and yeah, then software updates. When they keep updating macOS and adding new
0: things, they don't have to ship a new keyboard all of a sudden. Yeah. macOS flows off the tongue. <laughs> I like it. I really yeah. like it. This is my favorite. I'm really excited about them renaming it macOS. I like it. But are
1: so? The, but are they still going to do? They're still committed to the California thing. Is that the latest?
0: You know, like I don't know. I have will, no idea. Will it be
1: macOS? You know the uh, Hollywood or whatever.
0: I think so. I think that they're committed to the California thing because they've only done it for t- two years, right? Or th- or did they do three? The, oh no, three because the, there was three. Mavericks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mavericks was um, first. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Well, I I, I I think they're committed to the California thing, and I think that I think you know, but it's just going to be Mac OS, you know, Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll be. Glad to be done with the ten elements of it because it was you know we 're at
0: ten now um. it always it's bothered me <laughs> all along i 've never been a, a fan of the name mac os ten and I was less of a fan when they officially changed it to os ten without the mac all right really never never a fan of that name just because well, number one, I don't like Roman numerals. I just wrote about this. <laughs> I, I hate them. Roman yeah, numerals. Yeah. I just yeah. hate them. They're 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 absolutely terrible. There's arguments to be made that I I mean I'm not being facetious here. There are I've seen arguments that that their stupid numeral system made the Romans so uh, in in bad at math that it led to the decline of the Roman Empire because <laughs> they fell to people who used a logical decimal. You know. System of indicating numerals that made math easier. Um, <laughs> I hate it. I just don't like Roman numerals. I hate the way it, it's, you know, this is, doesn't seem to be as big a problem anymore, but I hated in the early years the people who said uh, Mac OS X. Oh, it but still it, happens all the time, but yeah. It's not yeah. their problem. It's Apple's problem, because it looks like Mac OS X, because guess what? Normal people right. today don't speak in Roman numerals. If you show them an X, they say, that's an X. They don't say, oh, I bet that's a 10. And then as time went on, it was as though, I mean, what, it's 2016, so 15 years of updates to to the operating system, in their numbering system, it's like they've all been minor little feature upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> right. For 15 right. years. Right.
1: I um, hate it. So I think I understand. read the... Uh uh, I don't know if you talked about this. I've read this somewhere. So, you know, they, when they did Super Bowl 50 this past year, they did uh, Super yeah. Bowl 50 rather than Super Bowl L or whatever. Um, but next year, they're going back to the Roman numerals. So it's like L-I, I think, or something like that. I know, they are. And it, I, I,
0: I, it makes me want to scream because I was so happy. <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's. I, I was so happy because I thought, that's brilliant. 50 is a, the the nicest, roundest number they're going to get to until 100. Right. And now they they've this is the way they get out of the mess they've created for themselves with these Roman numerals. You know what else screws me up with the Roman numerals is Star Wars. I'm so confused over what the hell number <laughs> yeah. the the movies yeah. are. I I really am. Once they got to the prequels like 4, 5 and 6, I understood that there's, you know, three. But now I'm like, what the hell is this? Episode 8? How what? How are we <laughs> up to 8 already? And it's like Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Just, I I really, I don't like the Roman numerals in Star Wars, but there's no, they can't get out of it. They've already, they're already into it. The NFL could get out of it with the Super Bowl. They did get out of it with 50, and and now they're going back. And now they're they're going back. Super Bowl LI. (laughs) Super Bowl lie. It's great. I used to like, I I, I did not like it, but I used to be amused by like it. like old time Hollywood movies used to often put like the copyright in, in Roman numerals. Oh, don't they still do that? I'm pretty sure some movies still do. So at the
1: very end, I'm one of those people who stays through the credits, the annoying person who sits through the entire credits, even though I'm not reading everything. I just sort of like it as a time to you know think about what I just watched or whatever. And so I always stay through the end. And especially now with all the Marvel stuff where you have to stay through the end, but, um, at the end, when they do the last credit thing, it's like the, whatever it is, I don't know if it's MPAA or whoever gives the, gets the last yeah. sort of screen, and they do the number of what actual movie it is, like how many movies have actually ah. been, and I, it's still in Roman numerals, I'm pretty sure, because I know that because they just passed some milestone, I should look it up, but I don't even know what I would Google for, right. um... But they just passed some major milestone, and so it's now like shorter because you know it's past like five thousand or whatever, the fifty thousand or something like that. Maybe it used to be though, and maybe it's not now. And maybe I'm remembering it slightly wrong. I know that they used to do it. Like what you're what you're yeah. suggesting is like yeah, um, the year and everything would be Roman numeral, right? And now um, I think this movie credit system at the very end it may have switched back over to actual numbers because it just got too unwieldy but i'm not 100 percent sure i don't remember all
0: right i'll look it up we'll look it up after the show all right um I, here's one answer i don't know if this is definitive i googled one this is all i have time for to do live in the show but there's a bbc article that says uh Perhaps one of the most notable areas where people are likely to come across Roman numerals is in TV and film credits where the convention is not to spell out what year something was made. The practice is believed to have started in an attempt to disguise the age of films or television programs. Huh. In other words, it's the opposite of claiming an undeserved antiquity. They're not trying to look old. They are trying to look like they're still young because nobody that's, can tell. Here's an example. Here's 1998 in Roman numerals. MCMXCVII. Crazy. Yes.
1: Yeah, I see the, I, I think I see the same thing now that's on Stack Exchange talking yep. about,
0: yeah, copyright, I,
1: Time Warner Studios, MC, yeah, right, that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. I've already got it in the show notes. I'll put it there. Folks, you can listen. Just uh, check out the show notes there.
1: That's what it is then. I think I was conflating the two things. Yeah. That is where they use the Roman numerals. The movie number is, I think, just a number. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Yeah. But that's where they are. What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> how, did, how do we get from the keyboard with an OLED strip to Roman numerals?
1: Because Mac, Mac OS. Oh, Mac OS 10. 10. Right. They're yeah, going to get correct. rid of the 10. Yeah.
0: There we go. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder would. No, no. I think. Although I wonder, maybe they would, like, if... Like, I don't think you would have to have the new keyboard to use Siri on the Mac, but maybe they would do the little, you know, the animation for Siri, the horizontal thing, because it's such a horizontal animation. Maybe. The, oh, yeah, yeah. The maybe wave the form. OLED strip will turn into the waveform.
1: Yeah, that'd be pretty.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the be. other thing with Gurman's report, though, is that... And, and it's a little disappointing, because I was kind of hoping maybe new MacBook Pros would come out at WWDC, but he's he's his report uh, put it at later this year. Like a fall thing, right? Um,
1: and there was some little nugget I think, and I think that was based on what's the one, um, the one uh, who is it? Um, is it KJI or whatever? They they have a pretty good track yeah. record of being right about those things. I think it was riffing off of that, but um, also talking about the fact that um, there's there's some potential for a 13 inch MacBook, not a Pro. So there would be like the two Pro models. And then we already have now the 12-inch, you know, Retina MacBook, and now there might be a 13-inch? It That's said that in there, which I was confused by. Like, why would they do a 12 and a 13-inch?
0: Yeah, that seems uh, wrong to me. It seems to me like they they made, the, the whole reason they made the 12-inch in the first place was to split the difference between 13 and 11. Right,
1: right. And so,
0: yeah, I don't know. That Maybe it's so, something got lost in translation there. Um Yeah, or they're going to switch to thirteen? I don't know. It doesn't make sense to have twelve and thirteen. They don't seem different enough to justify both of them existing. And I
1: mean, like you could see where they made where they would make a bigger one to in order to put like a second port. Everyone complains, of course, about the one USB C port. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, would they do fourteen? You know, or fifteen?
0: I just, I just think that they have to be different enough that just at a glance at the on the table in the apple store you can say oh that one's big this one's small you really yeah. like it has to be if you're going to have 3 it has to be like rare medium and well done you can't right. you can't have like a medium a medium rare in there it's you know it's too hard to tell apart
1: and that report also mentioned that they're likely keeping the MacBook Air around and it will just be sort of the cheaper, not you know, the low, the the uh, rare version right, in your analogy, um, the, the cheaper low-end version of what you could get for a Mac. So presumably still no Retina screen, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that the, the writing is on the wall. I, and I know that this this is, to me, is, it, it, I get it all the time. And there's I know there's so many people, and I'm going to make you angry if you're one of these people listening. I'm telling you right now, stop holding your breath for a retina macbook air and it's just not going to happen and i i know i get emails all the time this is what people are, a lot of people want they want exactly what the macbook air is right now yeah with a retina but screen. and
1: and when they're when they're asking for that is it specifically that they want um like the the um the certain type of power adapter and the U, the old older school usb um ports rather than because you know the the new macbook is very similar to what a macbook air is except for the ports right
0: uh and the power you know this performance because right, it's slower power, it is right. it's still it's still slower oh than right okay yeah, MacBook yeah. air and a, a refreshed macbook air if it were to come but it's not i don't think would be faster still right but like the macbook air you right. can go by today is faster than the macbook and so, like, if you push your machine a little bit, if you're like, you know, like me, you know, 50 browser tabs or if you're using Xcode or something like that, you know, photo editing, um, you want it. But, no, I, I think it's very clear looking at the products that Apple's come out with recently, what they're doing. The The MacBook, the new one, the MacBook One, will get faster over time. Right. And it and, will
1: eventually, like, in two years, that won't be an issue. Like, right. Like, the things that, right. And so is I it worth it for Apple to put, spend money to make a Retina MacBook Air when these things are just going to collide in two years? Right.
0: And the the on the other end, the MacBook Pros are getting thinner. Like that's another part right. of this rumor with the OLED screen is that the MacBook, even though they you know got so much thinner a couple years ago when they went to the all you you know you can't get a spinning hard drive anymore. Everything's SSD. Um, but it's going to get thinner still because that's what apple does they take products and make them thinner so the macbook pros at the more expensive side and and if performance is important to you uh, are going to get ever more air-like in their form factor and the macbook is going to get faster and i and apple's bet is that your need for ports is going to decrease over time Right. And so the MacBook Air, even though if they were to come out with a retina MacBook Air today, it would sell, might sell very well. It's it's a dead end, I think, in Apple's mind, in terms of di- differentiation of the product line. That it's not it would be too it's too conflated with the other products or too easily mixed up. Right. And so right now the only reason the MacBook Airs exist is to, to hit the eight ninety nine and nine ninety nine price points.
1: Right, and I assume that's a lot of what they're selling to, like schools. Right, that's their. Um, is that also their school sort of? Oh, I selling? think so. I would, I would
0: yeah. be, I would be anybody. I, I would be surprised if uh, schools were buying anything other than the MacBook Airs because they're yeah. a, they don't have money, uh, and b, they just don't. You know, schools. You know, they're just not going to value something like Retina. Right. You know, too bad, kids. Even though kids have the sharpest eyes and are the most likely to be able to. See the fuzzy pixels. <laughs> yeah, well, just just wait. Give them time. Two years, kids. Two years. <laughs> so I don't know. I wonder if we're going to see any hardware at WWDC now. But on the other hand, we haven't had new Mac hardware in forever, except for the, the updated MacBook 1, which was you know just a speed bump.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only hardware, if those reports are true, and maybe it won't even be released then, would be the thing we were just talking about, that music. Right siri hub thing but yeah they usually don't do When's they they haven't done mac hardware in a while right because they announce the new os and then yeah. they well, wait they, to sh- they did ship the
0: updated 5k imac last year with the the new high gamut uh screen oh that's right okay yeah uh, by the I, way
1: when are they gonna launch a uh display <laughs> external display with retina like why have they not done that yet
0: that's a fantastic question. I think that this is something that I because I have the 5K iMac. Yeah, um, I have the old the first one though, not the high gamut one. Um, so you know, play a little sad violin song for me. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, I know that the ATP guys have gone on about this in detail, and I, because I don't have a Mac Pro, I don't care enough to figure it out. But there's some kind of thing where Thunderbolt. Or, oh right, uh, the th- throughput is not, th- is not there sufficient, yeah. and the only way that Apple made it work internally in the 5K iMac was by creating their own thing. Um, uh, so I think that's the problem. Uh, but maybe now this WWDC is where the 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 trash can Darth Vader Mac Pro uh, came out. It is incredibly long overdue for an update, and yeah. so I know it's not like a bestseller, but at the WWDC developer crowd it, it actually is so maybe it yeah. that, would be a nice i haven't seen any rumors about it but just in terms of being overdue boy that would be a nice announcement that would play extremely i think it would play extremely well in a room if they said we've updated the Mac Pro it is blows away the old Mac Pro in performance and you can hook up this 5k beautiful 5k <laughs> display to it
1: finally An actual, finally. Um, And yeah, I mean, given Apple's dominance in both design and film and everything, um, you know, it's crazy that all these people can't use a a screen that ties into all of the rest of the Apple products
0: that they're using for that. Right. And again, it's, you know, I'm spoiled, but I mean, I've gone all, I guess my, I'm trying to think what my last non-retina device was. It was, I guess it was when I upgraded to this 5K iMac what like a year and a half ago, but now yeah, I, I still, I, everything is retina. My son still has a non-retina iPad that, it has, so I think it's like the only non-retina device in the house. And so really, I still,
1: like like an animal. <laughs> yeah.
0: And when I see the screen, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe we live that. Way. <laughs> those pixels were pretty big.
1: Yeah. Um, I still have I'm actually sitting in front of right now the the last iMac before it went retina. Um, it's still nice, but yeah, you can definitely see see the pixels. Yeah, it sticks out like a sore thumb.
0: Yeah. And it just seems crazy like you said. It's just crazy that the the customers who are willing to spend $10,000 $10, yeah. on, on a <laughs> right. Mac Pro have no can't. option. Right. They have to buy the Dell right. or whatever 4K yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. All right, let me take one last break here and thank our third and final sponsor. This is a great company. Love these guys, Casper. These are the guys who make mattresses. Uh you don't have to go pick what type of foam or springs or whatever the hell you want. Casper figured this out. They've got the perfect mattress. It's like a blend of uh, memory foam and uh, springy latex, and it's just right. It's just the right sink, just the right bounce, uh, and it's a breathable design, so it sleeps cool It uh, help you regulate your temperature through the night so you don't get the night sweats because your mattress is too hot. Uh, they sell direct. This is like the the cornerstone of, of the podcast advertising world are these companies that sell direct. And this is, they make mattresses right here in the U.S., and then they sell them to you directly. And that is how they can get away with making totally premium quality mattresses that they sell at prices that just blow away the competition. Go to a mattress store, go to your... Well, you don't want to go to a mattress store, but if you did, you'd go in there and you'd find that the good mattresses usually cost start at around fifteen hundred bucks at a small size. Casper mattresses are just five hundred bucks for twin, six hundred for twin XL, seven fifty for full, eight fifty for queen, and just nine hundred and fifty bucks for a king size mattress. It's you go into a mattress store and try to buy a top quality mattress for nine hundred and fifty bucks and you're gonna walk out empty-handed. Um it's easy. And even if you don't completely trust it, and you're like, I, I know that mattress stores are gross, but I still want, like the idea of sitting on it a little bit before I try it, trying before I buy. It seems weird to spend 900 bucks on a mattress that I've never even tried. 100 day free trial. You just buy it, you get 100 days. And if you don't like it at any point at 100 days, you just, you just, let them know. Go to the Casper website, and, and they'll come pick it up at your house uh, and give you a full refund. They'll come pick it up. You don't have to, like, drag it down the steps. They, they'll do the whole thing. That's how sure they are that you're going to like the mattress. 100 days to try it before you uh, are on the hook for it. So get yours today. 100 days. Uh, go to Casper.com, C-A-S-P-E-R, Casper.com slash The Talk Show. And when you do that, use that code The Talk Show. You save 50 bucks. Fifty bucks off their already amazing prices. So my thanks to Casper for continuing to sponsor the talk show. Great company. Um, so we want to talk about the Peter Thiel thing. Sure,
1: it's uh, it's literally what all of Twitter is right now. So
0: um, <laughs> I'm I mean... sure. So anybody who's listening has <laughs> almost certainly heard. And if you re- read "Daring Fireball," I've been obsessed with it for days. Uh. I'll summarize it thus. Uh, there's an ongoing lawsuit where Hulk Hogan sued Gawker because a couple years ago, Gawker obtained a sex tape. Uh, which The backstory on that is all crazy, too. Right? Hulk Someone Hogan named Buddy the
1: Love Sponge. <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: not making it up. That is not made up. Uh, <laughs> somehow convinced Hulk Hogan to to... to have sex with the guy's wife and he's like uh, totally into it. And the guy uh, surreptitiously taped the, the encounter. And then anyway, Gawker ran it. And uh, a few years later, Hulk Hogan sued and, um, won an enormous judgment, $140 million in the state of Florida against Gawker, which is, uh, apparently would, and not, not surprisingly would bankrupt the company. Um, uh, there's an expectation among experts that that on appeal, uh, that Gawker is going to get that greatly reduced, maybe even overturned. That Gawker's, you know, chances are very good that that it was tried in a place that was very amenable to Hulk Hogan. Um, but you never know. And it's never good news to lose the first one. So, you know, Gawker's and ropes. And it turns out this week it came out that like one day it started with speculation that Nick Denton, the, the founder and owner of, of Gawker, publicly came out speculating that uh, Hogan's lawsuit was funded by somebody. And he thought maybe like a, some billionaire in Silicon Valley. I don't know if Denton actually had Teal in mind at the time. I suspect he might have because how many billionaires? The speculation
1: again amongst people with no no inside information, but that this is ve- it was very likely uh, if if this was the case, and there was a big if, like it seemed outrageous that 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 would actually be the situation, that it would likely be Peter Thiel being the most likely candidate to to be the one,
0: right? Because there's a known grudge History. between yep. the two, because in two thousand seven. Uh, Uh, gawker's valley wag property ran a story saying that uh yes peter thiel is gay uh which you know was interpreted by many as outing uh i think there's a very good case that they that that's what it was but valley wag has and gawker have always stood behind this argument that it was an open secret everybody knew it just wasn't Ever printed anywhere and that it's you know I don't want to get into the politics of it but that it's uh, the the fact that we don't talk about it is is sort of uh, 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 like bigotry against gays because it's po- it's positioning homosexuality as something that you would want to hide when, right. whereas it's not which I personally I am amenable to but anyway that's just to get it out of the way though that you know it's well known I, I think it's even on the record that Peter Thiel was not happy with that story and therefore right.
1: i th- think he he likened uh valleywag to al qaeda yes uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> no literally and future, it's yeah. it,
0: that's really was his comparison it's not like hyperbole like you're exaggerating that was that was what he said um, right
1: um yeah and that so-
0: he's he's been known to have taken issue with numer- uh, uh, even stories not with him but with other people who he knows mm-hmm. that he knows other people who you know the gawker websites have run stories about that he found you know objectionable so it turns out that it's, and now he's Peter Thiel has has gone on a record with the New York Times and uh, and admitted, yes, I bankrolled Hulk Hogan's lawsuit to the tune of ten million um, dollars. It's it's just crazy. It's just like <laughs> yeah. this really is just like, it, 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 you, like something from you put on a TV show, right, or a movie. You know that it's like a crazy Game of Thrones plot twist.
1: It's something that's like so outlandish that it seemed like, because I guess there were rumors about this going around during the trial itself, right? That someone was out there bankrolling this. And, but everyone dismissed it. You know, reading about this in hindsight, everyone seemed to dismiss it because it was so outlandish. And then Denton says his thing, and it still seems outlandish. But there's like this, but if it were to be anyone, and then like Forbes somehow was able to find people who would speak, you know, um, off the record or or on background, I guess, um, on it. And then next thing we know, we have uh, (laughs) Teal talking to uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin of New York Times directly about it. Uh,
0: the, With, within the, like a two day span or whatever. Right. And the, the move during the trial that raised people's eyebrows and started the speculation was that the Hogan legal team dropped a charge that, if they had won, would have been covered by Gawker's insurance. And right. Gawker's insurance would this, whatever, it doesn't really matter which one, it was, you know, what the legal term was, but there was one of the charges. And it seemed really curious to people that they would do that because, uh, the insurance company is, is way more likely to be able to pay the full amount of a large uh, right. judgment than Gawker is, and right. so and in it's terms, like just, of,
1: it's not about the money,
0: There's, right? That it wasn't. It was a move that totally seemed counter to maximizing the money that Hogan would win, and instead seemed specifically about uh, trying to put Gawker out of business.
1: Yeah, and the, so the most. The most compelling—compelling is <laughs> a weird word to use—but the most interesting thing about this whole thing to me is like the amount of time that has passed from when the situation happened uh, that you talked about with the the, the story on Valley Wag, you know, outing or um, revealing or that outing, he's gay, yeah, whatever you revealing want. that yeah, right, Peter Thiel's gay to to the masses, let's say. Um, and now it's like, you know, that's, I don't know exactly how long it's been, but it's, it's like eight years, nine years or I think something it was, like that.
0: I, yeah. I think it was nine years. I think it was a 2007 story. And I, I, I think I could be wrong by a year, but the story I've heard is that at some point in 2006, supposedly Teal had warned Valleywag, do not write about my personal life or yeah. I'll, you know, or you, you will make an enemy of me. You know, I don't, I don't think he threatened them, but he, he but privately had said I don't do this or I'll, you know I'll right. do what I can and in 2007 I think is when the story ran but it's been about roughly 10 years
1: and obviously most threats made in those veins end up being hollow or you know sort of like just things get forgotten over time and, and everyone Ti- moves t- on
0: time heals all wounds but apparently, <laughs> right apparently not this but one but not
1: here and, like, the fact that this has been going on behind the scenes uh, all these years later is just incredible. I mean, I again, it's, like, a weird thing to say. It's, like, impressive in a weird way that someone is so determined to uh, write what they view as this wrong that they've held on to it this long and, like, just figured out an avenue to actually be able to execute it.
0: All right. Uh, I will link to it in the show notes. I've already linked to it on Daring Fireball, but Felix Salmon, uh, writing at Fusion, had a, a great analysis of of just the, the depths of the evil geniusness of Teal's uh, revenge. Uh, the, you know, just going through step by step, and just a how long he waited, and b that the that the way that libel laws work, and typically it's, it's you know Teal's not the first super rich person to sue a publication over. Uh, negative publicity. I mean, Donald Trump has done it many times. I mean, all sorts of people do it. Right. Um, but the way it typically works and the way everybody common sense thinks it works is if I'm a rich guy and I don't like what your publication wrote about me, I sue you about what you wrote about me. And, right. you know, and the problem with that is that you'd have to prove that it was false or that, you know, that it was slander or whatever. Right. Um, it's very, very hard. And uh, uh, as Salmon yeah. has pointed out, so newspapers, You know, like the New York Times or, you know, any major publication, you know, when they write about a rich person uh, in a way that, hey, this is going to be controversial, they're not going to like this, they have a legal team that vets every sentence in the story before it goes out, specifically of, can we defend this in court? Can we defend, you know, every single thing, can we defend this in court? And so it's not just going through an editorial process, it goes through a legal process before it goes out. And therefore it makes it very hard for them, the rich person who wants to sue a publication out of existence to win. So Teal's strategy was not to sue... Gawker over what they wrote about him, but was rather to put together a legal team to just go through everything Gawker has done for 10 years and look for something that they did that is legally questionable, and they struck gold with the Hogan sex tape.
1: Right, and there's, you know, I think it's actually, even while we've been on this uh, this this call recording the show, I think there have already been sort of other things leaking out, because the rumor, of course, is also that they've been looking for other avenues to execute a lawsuit over the years, and maybe they have even, um, but no one realized it at the time, and I think some of that stuff is starting to come out now.
0: Yeah. Um. It's it's just breaking so fast. It's so crazy. I, and I will, you know, I, it, there's so many, like, butts and this story is so widespread. And, and, but I, it's like, and I don't, you know, in what I've written about on Daring Fireball, it's, it's hard to, like, cover all of these avenues. Uh, but I'll even say right up front that I, I don't know, uh, a couple of people said, well, what do you think, you know, shouldn't this be about whether Hogan had a good case or not? And d- doesn't he have a, you know, wasn't he actually, you know, what they did? A violation of his privacy. I'm very, very. Uh, uh, I, I certainly would never run a sex tape taken surreptitiously by someone else or publish it or spread it. I mean, I think it's, it's honestly, I think it's a despicable move. Um, just personally, I just as a, as a human being, I mean, and so I'm not I'm not even opposed to Hogan having won the suit. I don't think Gawker ever should have run it. Gawker's media have done published numerous things over the years that I object to, um, for multiple grounds.
1: Uh, notably, of course, the iPhone right. Um, that's the prototype. Same. Right was go- was Gizmodo. Right um, under Gawker. Yep. Right. Yep. Um,
0: um, yeah. So, <laughs> so in <laughs> so a rich, way, I, in a way, that's yeah. part of part of the genius of Teal's strategy is that he found a case where uh, people who might otherwise object to the idea of a billionaire secretly funding a lawsuit to sue a company out of existence uh might be a little bit more likely to to say well these are you know these these are bad people that you know that's that's not right that they that they took a, a surreptitious sex tape and and published it right i still um, call them sex tapes you call them sex tapes i know it wasn't probably wasn't on tape but
1: <laughs> i don't know
0: what else would you call it what? well a sex oh, video oh because it's not a tape right yeah. it's not oh, on right. tape but it um, just seems like the term is sex tape yeah It's like the verbal equivalent of the floppy disk for save. Like, we just don't have a...
1: (laughs) Right. A a sex uh, dot (laughs) MOV dot... I don't know. Uh, A sex GIF. Yeah, sex GIF. So, I read, uh, you know, in leading up to this, I read a few different of the takes. So, first of all, (laughs) like we joked about, all of Twitter is talking about this. Like, this is... In my mind, we talked about Twitter earlier as like being, you know, sort of like this this fascinating zeitgeist of what's happening. In my view, when something like this happens, this makes Twitter almost unbearable, uh, simply because everyone is talking about the same thing, and mm-hmm. there's no way to follow like a, a, a like a common thread it's like there's so many different angles and so much information coming in and so many opinions that it's like a hodgepodge of of everything and i can imagine a regular user after signing up for twitter say they signed up for twitter yesterday and they got like recommended you know they're interested in the news or something and so they got recommended you know like 15 accounts to follow that are journalists and so now today just imagine what their experience would be like looking at twitter for the first time um it's just like I, <laughs> I don't even know how to where to begin like right. what, just shut it down like this is this is dreadful, all these people talking about each other and talking about like uh no you're wrong and arguing and um so with that with that backstory um I tried to avoid as much as possible of it until there was actually like um more actual news of what was, what occurred and, and whatnot. And it seems like this morning there was some of that, we talked about the Aaron Ross-Sorkin um, yeah. post with uh, with Teal. And then uh, there's been there's been some more interesting of the hot takes, I would say. And so I read yours, of course, uh, which I liked because it was concise <laughs> um, and didn't, you know, sort of, a lot of the problems I have with so, uh, things of this nature are like, this is obviously going after, at least the way that, that journalists perceive it, going after the heart of what journalism is and trying to destroy um, sort of the institution, right? And so we get these thought pieces that are going to be 5,000 words um, uh, and just like going on and on and most of them saying sort of the same things or saying them in slightly different ways and it's just like, uh, it, again, it's impenetrable. It's hard to know where to begin with this. So I appreciate the concise nature of uh, uh, your your take on this.
0: Right, and I, just, I wasn't trying to capture the whole thing because I think it's too hard to capture the whole thing, you know, but right. it's just one particular, like, to me it's the, and I appreciate your kind words about it, but it's, you know, it was just to respond to this whole argument of whether anybody is trying to take away Peter Thiel's freedom of speech. And it's like, you know, it was like this libertarian take on it, which, you know, sort of a a pro super rich, right. uh, using their super richness to their own advantage, uh, and And the idea that anybody who objects to that or finds it takes offense at it is therefore trying to suppress it, which is not the case. Like the the article that uh, the guy linked to by Josh Marshall, he wasn't Josh Marshall at Talking Points media wasn't advocating, hey, we should pass a law to make this illegal. We should you know prevent this. He was just saying this is bad news for journalism. Right. Well, because so, it's it's revealed to revealed a way to anybody else who has sufficient funds to bankroll such things a way to do the same thing against any other publication they don't like,
1: right? But so part of that is like this has existed for a long time to be able to do like this this whole thing isn't new, but it's it's new I guess in this context and and people's eyes are opening to it for the first time um, because what you know what uh, Teal did is not illegal. Uh, right. This is. Um, you know, this is an avenue that that others have used, just maybe not in this direct way before, or maybe they haven't. We just don't know about it. Um, but what I liked about what you wrote, and maybe uh, correct me if I missed uh, representing it in some ways, but this is sort of my stance on it after you know one day of of, <laughs> of thinking about it. Um, is so what Teal did is not illegal. Um, whether you know you think it's unethical or or Sort of not. I don't know. There's so many words you could use to describe it, but anyway, it's not illegal, and um, it's also, of course, not illegal for then Denton to suggest uh, that someone's doing this, and that it's not illegal for Forbes to look into it and get sources saying, right. yeah, it's it's this guy, and then it's not illegal for Teal then to go and talk to the New York Times and you know reveal uh, sort of what he's do- why he did it, and now apparently Denton's working on a, a rebuttal post about this, and it's like at the end of the day. This I understand why everyone's up in arms of this, of course, but the situation does sort of sort itself out, and I think if Gawker went out of business, which is a real possibility, my thought there is, but like a thousand other Gawkers will just rise uh, in its in its sort of place, and you could say, well, then you know, some billionaire might take out them too. I have a hard time believing that. You know, there's, uh, there's honestly enough money in the world to sort of fight all these battles. And it's not just money, by the way. It's time, too. The, again, going back to what the most interesting thing about this to me is, like, that Peter Thiel took the time and the, the extended time period to, to actually execute this plan. Most people would not do that, of course. Um, and most people just don't have the time. To, it's not worth their time to do it. Um, and so I sort of, as, as sort of lame as it sounds, I think, like, this thing sorts itself out naturally.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think, and especially as it settles in as you know, twenty four hour old news now, I think that the fears that this will become a playbook for billionaires to take on other publications are, I, I, not just hopefully unfounded. I think they're probably unfounded. I think this was a a unique situation, both in terms of the the way that Gawker opened themselves up to these sort of suits by being so, I don't know what the word is, reckless, Uh, aggressive, aggressive, fast and loose with what, you know, what should or should not be published. I, I, you know, could somebody do this to me, for example? Could somebody, it's like, what have I written that you could really take me to court over? You could definitely inconvenience me by just making me go to court and have to hire a lawyer to fight a bogus lawsuit. But I don't, You know what I mean? I don't know that. uh, Why would I don't see why someone would do that? Because the other part is that Peter Thiel had such a grievance against them, right? I mean, is there somebody who I've called jackass of the week in the past who who would do this to me? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. Yeah,
1: but yeah, but even if they would, so like you, yeah, you may have pissed off
0: plenty of people. I'm sure you have over the years. But I may have pissed off Peter Thiel by (laughs) calling him an asshole. I don't know, but. But
1: have you opened yourself up to you know so you could, that could open you up to you know like someone could try to sue you directly for cult, for slander or whatever or libel i always forget the difference yeah um, i do too but um but then could someone do this sort of surrogate lawsuit and right. you know actually go after you for something it seems almost impossible um yeah. Yeah, so, you know,
0: uh, I, right. I think part of it is that it just it's just that nobody ever thought that anybody, it just never occurred to someone to do this. And and it speaks to Teal's I honest I mean again I called him an asshole and I stand by it. And I I think that him doing it in secret was cowardly. I think that it only came out now is, you know, it, it you know, kind of a coward's move. Um but uh, it, it was genius right it was extremely clever and it's the sort of you know that's why he's the success that he is 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 a big and it's you know it's a huge part of the whole silicon valley what are we looking for is we're looking for people who see things that nobody else sees and this is an yeah. example of that right it's he saw an opportunity here to do this in a way that it just never occurred to anybody else i think that's why this is so it grabbed everybody's attention well and so just a,
1: i don't know almost to play devil's advocate a bit on this but like you know when you call him an an asshole for the way that he sort of executed it i mean what if maybe he executed it this way on purpose like he wanted to be in the shadows for all this yep. time and then to have some sort of big reveal to make it that much more of a statement and to make it that much more meaningful when it did come out this way
0: yeah and 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 uh the aforementioned Felix Salmon post uh, definitely makes the case that it, 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 he makes a compelling case that revealing himself was absolutely part of it. Part of the plan, yeah. because what it does is uh, it 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 says this isn't now now you realize that whatever happens with the Hogan appeal, this isn't going to stop. And he can right. keep this up indefinitely. <laughs> and everybody knows that everybody can just go through in the back of their mind a list of uh, things, you know, articles that Gawker has published over the years that maybe they could get sued over. And it therefore means that any uh, anybody who is perhaps thinking of investing in Gawker uh, is going to think twice about it because it looks like if you're investing in Gawker, you're in- investing against Peter Thiel funding. You know, trying to bankrupt. The, the company and they need the investment money because they need to have you know just to, to deal with the legal fees and and the potential judgment against hogan right you know that revealing himself is part of it because now right right it makes gawker look like a way worse investment than it was you know gawker if you're if anybody was thinking of investing in gawker two days ago it certainly looks <laughs> like a worse investment now that you know that they've made a lifelong enemy of peter Thiel and that hand uh, he right. set his sights on destroying the company
1: Unsurprisingly, there are already reports, of course, now that that Gawker's trying to sell itself, and um, you know it's being marked down way below what right. they you know were valued at uh, just a few months ago. Um, yeah, and that's going to make it very hard. Um, yeah, I would it, just
0: say I would say in terms of what I wrote that if it, if it, it turns out that it's true that Teal's plan all along was to reveal himself at a certain strategic point for the purpose of even you know kicking them when they're down. Then it doesn't take away the asshole part of what I said. It takes away the coward part because he, he didn't have a plan to remain secret forever. That it was yeah. only secret strategically for the first part of this d- devilish revenge scheme.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I will say I don't know Peter Till at all. I've, I've, I'm fairly certain I've actually never met him, even though we sort of do the same thing um, now. But, uh, you know, I also just... One of the things, I'm trying to think about again, a, a reaction to this in a twenty-four hour period. I don't recall the whole situation with Valley Wag when it happened those eight or nine years ago. I mean, I've heard about it in you know after the fact, um, and I. But I also have a hard time sort of discounting like well i understand what the, what valleywags position was that it was sort of like publicly that he was he was um you know known to be to be gay amongst a big enough circle that it should be sort of common knowledge like i don't know what his mindset what like he's he was clearly he's clearly very was very pissed off and very pissed off enough to do this whole plan like i i don't know that i that i'm one to say like is he wrong you know like a lot of people are saying that this is um a major overblown thing that he's 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 just taken it so far out of proportion, and the the response is not uh, in proportion to what uh, the the original act was. But like, I don't know, right. I, I wasn't there. Like, maybe he was. Like, his mindset was just totally destroyed by what they did uh, after he told them not to do it, and you know. So anyway, I just don't want to like degrade that completely. I I don't know what his mindset is.
0: Right. I, I, I hear you as a devil's advocate take. I, 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 I disagree. I, well, I don't, I shouldn't say I disagree. Cause I don't know. I only, you know, I don't know Peter Thiel either, obviously. Um, right. So that's possible. That's a possible, you know, that it really was so significantly stressful to him, uh, emotionally harmful to him. Um, you know, that maybe it it really isn't disproportionate, but the one goofy that I have to say that here's a goofy part. This is, I mean, this is goofy. Uh, is uh teal's description of this as the most philanthropic thing he's ever done in oh his yeah life. <laughs> like that is uh, it, yeah. it is really that's going to go down as one of the things like for people who are are you know uh, thinking that the the inequality is out of control and that the 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 richest right. the, the, the hyper rich are are detached from reality is it? I mean, there's exhibit A. It was Peter T. I I mean, whatever you think about this, right? There, There's, there. I'm fully acknowledging that there's a devil's advocate take on this that what he did is just revenge served cold and, and right. was in some sense just. I don't agree. I think it's a vast overreaction, you know. Um, I go with. Did you read Elizabeth Spears' take? Yeah, yeah, I did. That yeah. it's you know it's like a, a, a you know like if the United States attacked a small African country with the full weight of the armed services just for some small you know you know, you know disproportionate <laughs> right. reaction. Right. Um, I'm on that side, but I agree with the devil's advocate take on that. But even if you agree with the devil's advocate take, this is that this is not <laughs> philanthropy.
1: Um, I don't know, did you read Ben Thompson's take too uh, in his, his newsletter today? It was, no, it was, not it, yet. it was interesting cause I won't go into it then I won't, you can link to it, but it's, um, uh, like so, I thought it was a fascinating way to like frame it around the notion of like superheroes and supervillains and like, um, uh, he, it's like, can one, can these like superheroes exist without, um, a, uh. I don't want to bungle this, but it's basically uh, that like in, you know, so say like the Marvel cinematic universe, like what happens when the superheroes come is there's usually like this super, you know, villain thing that, that ends up coming. It seems coincidentally, but maybe it's not coincidental, right? Maybe it's, it's the result of the superhero coming or vice versa. Like the superhero comes because the supervillain is there. And so they're intertwined. Right. And it's, um, he, he draws a interesting analogy to this whole situation of, uh, (laughs) <laughs> of how this is going down, which I think is uh, is is
0: worth the read. There is a certain, uh, and I know people have compared Elon Musk to a Bond villain, um, but uh, Elon Musk doesn't seem it it, it doesn't. I, I can't think of anything he's done that makes him look like a jerk. But this there is like a certain, you know, you know, Bond movies and other movies are always full of you know evil billionaires or or you know evil maybe evil is too strong a word, but you know. Right, Uh, billionaires, billionaires bent on scheming, scheming, yes, scheming billionaires, (laughs) and this is here it is in in real life, you know, like this incredible scheme that nobody would have, nobody really perceived as possible. Like and when, like you said before, like when it came up in trial, everybody was like, ah,
1: yeah, come on, that's this isn't a Marvel movie, come on, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but, and then the other element to this, like going back to where we started sort of like with the whole Twitter and it's just like, oh my God, and this is, this is going to go on for a while. I mean, you know, like you said, you know, 24 hours sort of things die down, but then there's more and more, it just keeps coming. And this is like the perfect storm, uh, you know, coming as someone who comes from the reporter side and now sort of, um, you know, far enough removed from it to sort of hopefully be somewhat, uh. <laughs> circumspect about it um this is like the perfect storm of a story that's not going to die anytime soon because this is what uh many not all but many reporters love writing about more than anything else is their own profession and like yep. um you know things coming after it and the potential to, uh, uh for for the end of what they do and, and coming after potentially their livelihoods and stuff and so this is just the perfect storm for Twitter for media Twitter um, and it's going to be non-stop stories about this for a long time to come it seems like yeah to me it's, it's
0: it, it, I can't it's almost hard to conceive of a better story for media Twitter yeah <laughs> which uh, yeah uh, I don't know <laughs> anything else you wanted to talk about no those I'm, were uh those that pretty those much the- wraps up my list uh, so uh people can find your writing where, where are you doing most of your writing these days so almost always now on
1: uh on medium i set up one of the publications there medium is of course again one of the gv um investments but um i just i before We invested in it. I was a a huge fan of the simplicity of uh, the platform and the CMS elements of it, having used many other CMSs throughout the years, uh, which are a hodgepodge of things. Um, So most of the writing I do now, I bought a domain called 500-ish, which was nice and short. And I try to keep the writing short these days since I don't have a ton of time to do it as much as I
0: used to. So uh, that's where I am. 500-ish.com. Dot com. uh, And on the the Twitter, uh, M.G. Siegler, at M.G. Siegler, right? That's right. That's right. All right. Uh, My thanks to you for your time and and your your observations. Uh, I would also like to give one more thanks to our sponsors, our uh, Casper, go buy a mattress. Audible, go buy uh, some audiobooks. And uh, Wealthfront, invest all the money you have left after you've bought a mattress and bought some audiobooks and and sued Gawker or sued all Cogan <laughs> yes and sue. <laughs> and <laughs> sue somebody <laughs>